You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome back for an all-new, all-brand, spanking-new edition, new year. That's what I was going for. New year (laughs) edition of Imagine If on the Geek Elite Radio Network. Guys, it is a new year. I hope everybody listening had a great, happy new year and is ready to dive into their comic books. Open up those long boxes, digital long boxes, if you if that's what you're doing now, and uh, talk about some uh, some comic books for the 2018. Chris, how was your new year? It was good. It was relaxing. I just uh, stayed in, chilled with my dog, and read some back issues. So I can't complain. I mean, reading back issues that's 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 the best way to do it. So uh, yeah, you know, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about 2017. Uh, Chris is gonna give us his two so his 17 top. Comic book stories of 2017, uh, you know, just to get the idea out there for people about the great stories that were that happened in 2017. Yeah, spoiler alert, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before that, though, as always, as always, we'll get it. We're gonna get into the spinner rack. So, all right, so 2018 is gonna hit hard and fast. This is week one of 52 weeks. So, yeah, sell your house. Um, that's just so. For me, the big honor is what's the first comic book I should read? So, you're going to have a lot of choices with this first week out. So, the first thing that's going to come, well, I'm going to start with DC Comics. So, the first thing they've got coming out, and this one's really neat, um, it's a trade paperback collection of the Aquaman, the Water Bearer. So, back in the day when he had the water hand, you remember that? I remember that. I enjoyed that series. That was a great run. That was like. I think it was Sub Diego, and then he got the water hand or right, right. around there. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great era. And what's really neat about this is not only is it just that it's getting collected, but it's a new edition. So that means it's been out there, and they're adding more to it. So I'm excited. Uh, Batman 38 is going to be out there. Now, in the speculation market, this is going to be a big issue. I think it's already like doubled in its price value, so it's, it's already hitting eBay hard and fast. So in this one, we meet the new kid. <coughs> I don't know his name. But he's basically got the tragic origins of Bruce Wayne. So it's going to be another version of Bruce Wayne, but what's this kid going to do? And if you're okay with spoilers, uh, pausing in three, two, one, pause, count to ten, and I should be done. This kid has Thomas and Martha carved on his cheeks. All right, so hopefully you're back to listening if you didn't want the spoilers. That's just weird. So what's going to happen to this kid? Um, we've seen plenty of you know versions of people who have had the same trauma of Bruce Wayne. It's going to be interesting to see where this kid's going to go. And especially with him being at such a young age, what will he be, you know? Um, Of course, it's by Tom King, so there's another reason you should buy it, because everything he does is great. (coughs) Next up, we have Batman and the Signal, part one of three. This is spinning out of the events of Metal. So Duke, as he was formerly known, has now become the Signal, and he basically inherited that name. Because there was like one of the Jokers that was kidnapped and held in the Batcave. He's the one who's like, you're a signal of what's to come or something like that. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, because what the signal is Duke, which I knew about that. But 
it was odd to hear that uh, he would take on the name, the signal. Like, what exactly is that supposed to mean? Is is it is it he's like? But I guess as you said, he's the signal of what's to come. Something to that effect, yeah. And he's gonna be more the daytime Batman, so the day man. That's what they should have just called him. <laughs> why? But why? I mean, does does Gotham need a daytime Batman? You know, that's a tough question because it's almost to a point where it's like, I mean, I don't know. Everybody always paints it different because there's some points where it's like, yes, the Batman, we know he's a man. And then sometimes, oh, he's an urban legend or maybe even he's, you know, mythical creature. And it's funny because it's like, well, if I'm a bad guy, I'm just going to rob banks during the daytime. Fuck this nighttime (laughs) stuff. I'd rather fight cops than Batman and his ninja army, you know? (laughs) So it's like, I... You know, so I mean, I don't know. It's 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 weird. It's definitely an untapped market, especially or spinning. You know, some Silver Age stories. I was gonna say, especially with what's going on with, uh, <laughs> you know, Gotham at the moment, where they're um, they're they're kind of doing this. Well, at least where I'm reading at, they're doing this whole thing. Like, well, we let you have. You're basically, you know, have your own army of vigilantes in in our town. And you know, when it was just you, it was one thing. When it was you and the kid, that's another thing. But now you got. You know, tens of twenties of uh, yeah, you know of you <laughs> vigilantes just taking law into their own hands. It's it's another story altogether. And then now there's like maybe that was only at nighttime where we had to worry about. Now we have a guy that's gonna be running around in a giant gold suit with yeah, a, bat like a black and yellow yeah. Batman esque costume. Yeah. I don't know about that. I mean, I would I would think Gordon would be like, I don't know about all this. <laughs> you know, I let you have your nighttime fun. Now you're spilling off into my daytime. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it's definitely it's something worth taking a look. I know I'll be following it from the stands and seeing how it goes out. Um, also, from the Batman corner of things, we got two more pieces here: Batman Annual Two Second Printing. Okay, for the longest time, and I know you and I have joked about this, we would buy the annual and we'd be pissed because you're like, "Oh, what a stupid story." But honestly, lately they've been having the annual actually like it's not necessarily like you have to read the issue, then go to the annual and then read the next issue. Right. But it, it definitely ties into what's going on. So this one shows us a, a, a prolonged future between Bruce and Selena. It's beautiful. It's like, I mean, if you haven't read it, put it on your radar. And I would recommend picking this one up. Uh, Batman White Knight number four. So this went from a six issue mini to a eight issue mini. So it's actually been expanded upon. and then with this if you're a fan of basically batman 89 so the tim burton stuff the batman the animated series i would say put this on your radar because it's basically a tour de force of the batman mythos but without being bogged down by the big amounts of continuity so it's actually been pretty fun the art's pretty stylistic so i'm enjoying it um Black Lightning, Cold Dead Hands, issue three of six. So Black Lightning's got a miniseries in anticipation of his upcoming TV series. So if you want to get yourself some more excitement, definitely pick that up. You know, I had to say this about that TV series. I mean, I'll, I'll end up watching it because right. I watch everything, but that costume looks horrible. Like the costumes that they have him in for the, the trailer. Right. Hopefully they make some changes to it, but uh, it looks it looks bad. And you know what it is? It's like they're trying to... They're trying to throw in. They're trying to mix the old '70s costume All with right. the more modern day Jefferson Pierce Pierce, Pierce yeah yeah uh, costume where you know he's got the, the kind of the bald head and the the collar though I'm bringing that into it. <laughs> no, they don't have the collar, but okay. instead of a collar, like his new costume has the lightning bolts down the the, the chest, right? Okay, and the the collar 
instead now they've made the the lightning bolts bigger and like they they uh i don't want to say twinkle but they have a light that goes up and down kind of thing so it's kind of reminiscent of a collar without actually being the collar so i was just like ah that costume just looks bad sounds a little too busy yeah 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 exactly (laughs) Oh, interesting. Well, hopefully, yeah, give the comic book some support then. <laughs> Write your editor. <laughs> um, Captain Adam, The Fall and Rise of Captain Adam trade paperback is finally out. I enjoyed this miniseries. Uh, it was great because this Captain Adam is, well, okay, so Captain Adam's a kind of convoluted character. He was originally created outside of DC Comics, then eventually Charlton Comics, the company that created him, folded and was purchased by DC Comics. And so they purchased the rights. So this is where we get the Nathaniel Adam, Captain Atom. And what's neat about this new miniseries trade paperback is this was the people that created him. They've returned. So it's kind of neat to get them seeing, seeing them playing with their character once again. So I enjoyed the miniseries. I think it's worthwhile. But be warned, it does kind of leave off on not necessarily a cliffhanger, but like I hope something more comes of this because there's some answered, there's unanswered questions for sure. Well, with that, I mean... The fact that it's left that way, I mean, is it, do you think it's more of like, hey, we're leaving it this way so that we can bring him into the Rebirth universe and, and maybe use him? Or do you think it, it's just like they, they had an idea and they just had to cut it short? I felt like, I definitely think this was like a, a test run, like a precursor where it's like, okay, you know, because it definitely like, okay, did you ever read Dead Man Dead again? Do you remember that miniseries? No, I never Fifth read week it. of wait? Okay. <coughs> um, but it reminds me of something. Sorry. It reminds me of something to that effect where let's put out this mini series, see if it stirs enough interest, and then we'll follow through with a, a, a an ongoing series. Uh, sad to say, obviously, I don't think it got the numbers. But then again, who knows? Maybe they're waiting to be like, oh, well, let's let's distance ourselves. Because something that I found interesting, if you go back and look at your DC Rebirth special, Captain Adam's there at the death of Superman. He's in a silver, red boots, mm-hmm. blue boots, red gloves form. And then in the fall and rise of Captain Adam, it definitely references the new 52 Captain Adam. And he's kind of got like a purple maroon looking costume. Right. Like at some points I was like, that's too major force looking. Like stay away from that idea. But, I, you know, again, like I said, so it, it left a lot up there. I mean, could they still do a miniseries? <coughs> Of course they could. They could definitely do one. So, I mean, I, I hope maybe with the sales and then the trade paperback sales, hopefully we'll see something come of this. So, please support it, support it, support it. Um, then we've got, this is a new one, and it, it continues on with the Hanna-Barbera uh, DC crossovers. Exit Stage Left, the Snagglepuss Chronicles. So, this is part one of six. Um I know this one's definitely going to it's going to get a lot of talk. So if you're a collector and you're you're mar- watching the market, I definitely would say pick this one up. Uh, I, for sure. I, I wanted to say that the the art style on that, or at least on the covers because I'm not reading it. I have seen the covers a couple times. It's so unique as it goes so far away from, you know, what you know of Snagglepuss. Like they actually go with a more realistic looking uh cat, you know, kind of yeah. kind of look and that's it's just very it's very I don't want to say off-putting. What's like this? The equivalent of off-putting, but like, um, uh, but it, in a good way, striking. I guess. Yeah. You know, maybe that might be it. Well, uh, it's definitely it's dynamic art. Um, like the 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 colorist definitely complements the um, the the artist on this one. So yeah, I mean, I, I hope this artist gets picked up for more stuff because it's it's really good looking art. 
Yeah. You know? At least like you said, from the cover standpoint. Um, Green Lanterns 38 is out there continuing the ever adventures of Simon and Jessica. Then we have, if you're a fan of, oh my gosh, I just lost the show, Riverdale. There we go. If you're a fan of Riverdale and you like some zaniness, we have Harley and Ivy meet Betty and Veronica, part four of six. So yes, that is quite a lot of people meeting people, but <laughs> it's the Archie gang with the zaniness of the Batman villains, so definitely worth a while. Uh, Injustice 2, number 17, is finally out. And a funny side note on this one, I was follow- well, I, I have Tom Twitter, Tom Taylor on Twitter, and uh, he posted that he said his son, <coughs> so he got his comp copy, and he, he was reading it, and he fell asleep, and so when he finally woke up, he he wrapped the co- the comic up and then thwapped his dad on the head and said, "Why did you do that?" <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I chimed in and I said, "Well, wait till your son reads issue 19." Yes, these past couple of issues have been heartbreakers. Um, you know, on on our personal day to day, I usually text Mitch and I'm like, "Here's a panel, or you need to read this." If you've noticed, I don't know if you've been paying attention. I haven't told you anything about injustice for a while, <laughs> right? Um, it's a sad loss. Oh. And I hope I hope something happens to fix that because, damn, that one is hard. Um, so, yeah. So, after this episode, I'll be having an intervention with Mitch to let him know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have Nightwing issue 36 out there. And this continues the new writer, Sam Humphreys. This is his second issue on Nightwing. So, it, it, was, it was a pretty good introduction. So, I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, Sam Humphreys, I really enjoyed his time on Green Lanterns. And on uh, Marvel's Star-Lord. So he's definitely got a good voice. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do with old Dick Grayson there. And two interesting things. And I, I should have caught this. Superboy Volume 1 trade paperback. The Adventures of Connor Kent. Way back in the day. So after the death of Superman, we were introduced to the four Superman. And there was the reign of Superman. And then the vast bulk of them helped to build the Superman family up. And Connor Kent. Well, actually, back then, he was just Superboy. He wasn't even Connell yeah, yet. He didn't have, yeah, he didn't yeah, have so a he secret was, identity. He, he was, just was a thing, and they called him Superboy. Well, this is the the trade paperback collecting his series, which is actually a fun comic book. It's very, I don't know, it's 90s fun, but it's great. I enjoyed it. You read it firsthand. What are your thoughts? The You know, I, I did read it firsthand. That was one of the, because I, I remember after the death of Superman, I started collecting, I collected, uh, no, you know, it wouldn't have been after the death. It would have been after the return of Superman. Yeah. So I had I had this <clears throat> the Supergirl book that, that came up, the Steel book, and the Superboy book. So the Supergirl book was the one with her, the fire wings, and she was, uh, you know, kind of... Uh, uh, Half-fallen angel Yeah, or but she like was that. like uh, under the... Not under the influence, but under the influence of Luther, like with the, yeah, with right, the, red, the red hair. And the, yeah. yeah. And then Steel was going around being like, you know, I'm, I'm the man, I'm, I'm the guy who who put the suit on and stuff like that. And then you had young Superboy who was trying his darndest to to be like, no, I'm not a boy. I'm, you know, I'm a man. I, I can do, I, I do the things that a Superman does, but still very impetuous. So uh, I would say that the Superboy was the one that that I ended up sticking with. I don't know. I would, I don't know if it was just the well, writing think, at that time. I think or? Steel got canceled pretty early. Um, Supergirl, hers was a little hard because at first she was the the Matrix proto protoplasm right. from a different dimension, and then they merged her with Danvers. Linda Lee and Linda Danvers, yeah. and 
And then they gave her the angel thing. So I think that just kind of was like, yeah, <laughs> let's see if we can walk away from and this. And I think eventually that one, that version of her gets wrapped up into like Crisis on Infinite Earths, like, like backwards wise. Like she becomes the Supergirl before the crisis. And then she, even though she's not the, the cousin, she's like marries superman in one timeline i don't remember it, it was, was all crazy weird. yeah because she guessed <coughs> she guest starred with um hal jordan the specter and i was like oh i better buy these issues and i remember reading them i was like my god <laughs> <laughs> this was some hard stuff to follow <laughs> yeah but anyways that trade is it's great um i always like that mention that you mentioned that era because i remember when that steel supergirl and superboy came out and they had like that green background and they were kind of uniform yes i love those first issues i was like oh man that's just so dynamic and i was happy because superman finally had a family right yeah so definitely pick that up and why is that released now and why should you pick it up well because connor has been missing since dc rebirth hell connor's been missing since i mean i know you can call that thing Connor, Connell, Superboy, and the, the, the new 52. 52. But yeah. I just say forget all that crap. Uh, forget Tim from that era, for as a matter of fact. <laughs> you know? And we're finally getting them back. So Superman 38 continues on with part four of the Super Sons of Tomorrow. I am loving this. I am enjoying this. Um, I don't want to even spoil the issue for you. Go read it. And go buy that trade paperback because they go hand in hand, if you get what I'm saying. And there's still one more part to go, now, so it's going to get crazy. Before we get to that, in the issue before the start of Su- the Super Sons of Tomorrow, I think, uh, the, it's in the Super Sons book, when okay. when young Jonathan is sleeping in his bedroom, you can see the poster on his wall that is obviously of Superboy. Right, right. Like the, the black leather ca- jacket Superboy. If he never existed, and then, I mean, obviously, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the artist just put that in there to be like, "Hey, it's a nice little tribute kind of thing." Or, <laughs> right. But I, I want to believe that the 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 writer asked him to put it in there and be like, "Hey, I need this for something." So, like, if he sees the older Connor Kent, or yeah, Connor Kent, and he's like, "Hey, are you're like my hero? Are you this guy that I read about in these comic books or whatever?" And yeah, well, because I've learned comic books. There, nothing's ever just placed there. <coughs> I mean, yes, I know we've lived in the era <coughs> where I think it was Dale Eagles. <coughs> Sorry. I think it was Dale, Dale Eaglesham. He actually, um, on Jeff Johns' website, a lot of the artists used to post there. And, like, if you made them happy or something, they would actually, like, you would look on the graffiti and your name would be there. Huh. So, like, if you did something and, you know, like, Moose Brahmin was like, that's awesome. He's going to put on the graffiti, you know, Mitch, you know, <laughs> a, a, as agent of the bat, you know, something like that. So, I know they do sneak in stuff, but you're right. I feel like that, like, that poster couldn't have just been there for any darn reason. Right. You know, Dan Jurgens is not just going to be like, oh, yeah, let's just lollygag this. No, it's it was definitely planted there to definitely plant seeds. Mm. I'm sorry. I don't think it was uh, Patrick Gleason. Right. Is the guy who's writing Super Sun. So <coughs> I definitely felt like that was something. Yeah, it's it's in there for a reason. You know, so, yeah, as you're reading your comic book, start looking at the walls, seeing what's <laughs> on the posters. You know, something's going to be happening. Um, so yeah, DC Comics, that's quite a few books coming out there. Um, 
Jumping over to Image Comics. So, Walking Dead hits a milestone today. Issue 175. That's huge, especially for an independent book. Hell, that's huge for Marvel, because they haven't even let their comics get that high for a while. Um, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Deadpool hit like 9,000 or yeah, something right? like that, right? <laughs> Deadpool 1 million. Why not? <laughs> Too late. We've already been to the millions. Thanks, DC. <laughs> um, but anyways, I know this is getting this book is getting bigger. Why? Because now they're doing variant covers. Like every other week, it's like, you know, or not every other week, but every month we're getting like cover A, cover B of Walking Dead. So cover B is actually by Bill Sinkowitz. He's a, I'm going to be honest with you. He's a tough artist for me. Okay. Everybody loves his work. I kind of don't. I like the guy. He's very knowledgeable and all this and that. But sometimes I look at his art and I'm just a little like perplexed by it. But anyways, he, he drew a beautiful cover. So, you know, if you're a Bill fan, there's definitely something to go check out. And this issue, I'm not going to tell you the spoiler because I know every other website's going to post it. And I don't know how, how pure you want to stay. But this is going to have ramifications on the show. So if you want to get it first, go get issue 175. And at the very least, you know, if you're a collector and you're just buying books to put your kids through college, go get issue 175. It'll at least send them to community college for sure. Because, <laughs> you know, the bus passes. Now, I know Robert Kirkman, the... <laughs> creator and still writer of the walking dead he has said that he knows the ending for the walking dead comic book and that it's supposed to be coming up sometime soon right really no i, I guess i missed that one i i, I could have sworn that i remember him saying something about it's going to be ending sooner than later i mean i'm not saying like within the year or anything right. but like he's like on the last five years or something yeah, yeah. so I, I i guess then my my next question which is i was trying to get to you're not gonna really know but is that do you know if he he put out a number like does he want to get to issue 300 or in, issue 500 or something before he quits nothing i've really heard um that would be interesting but then here's an interesting question so when he says it ends because to me right then hearing that i think three thoughts He's leaving the book. Right. So would you want to see somebody else continue on the Walking Dead universe? What well, do you think? I mean, the thing is, is I don't read the Walking Dead comic book, so I would be okay with it because, one, it doesn't affect me directly, and two, that's how comic books work. People, other people will jump on and yeah. start writing it. Yeah. Now, the thing is, is that he is a controlling aspect of image comics now yes as so, we recently learned <laughs> so he not only is you know is it his creation but it's also now his job so i don't know do you sit there and you'd be like okay i hand the reins over to someone else to see what they can do with the rest of the walking dead universe but he, i mean technically he's probably still has a lot of control over what happens with the characters yeah. Or he just says, no, I, I created the story. I created this world. This is how I want the, the, the I want it to end. This is the end all say all. Yeah. Because that's always interesting because I remember talking with somebody, you know, and they were like, oh, well, Watchmen's the greatest body of work ever. And I'm like, well, okay, sure. Why not? It was 12 issues. Same writer, same artist. Right. You know, and, and truth be told, we read it in one sitting. You know, not many of us were sitting there back in 19... 85 86 buying it on the newsstand so who knows if it came out every month on time right you know so of course those you take those elements out and you sell it that way it's, it reads a lot better because for me i was looking at my collection of walking dead so i bought the trades um so i think i go up to issue trade 24 and that's where i stop why because that's the 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 big war with negan that's when it ends in that in trade paperback 24 and i didn't really care for the story in, in trade paperback 25 because that's when it becomes like old man rick um 
Would I be okay if somebody else started writing the book? Yeah, I'd like to see, you know, a different voice on it. I would still, it would still be the same world and things like that. Because like you said, it's comics. You know, when Stan Lee left Spider-Man, it's still Spider-Man. You know, truth be told, you'd sit down and think about it. We probably read more issues by other people than we have of Stan. You know, so that's some some food for thought. Um, The other thought that comes to my mind, what if that means that's the death of Rick Grimes? You know, so would that impact you if Rick Grimes has gone from the book? Me personally? Yeah. Oh. Uh, because, because obviously then that'll bleed off into the show. What do you think? Well, actually, I have a whole different theory about where the show is going. And I really think it's going to split from where the, the comic books have gone now. As you've, if anybody is up to date with the, the episodes, knows that uh, it has now very much yeah, gone a, a different direction. <laughs> Than the show, so I I actually have a whole theory on where the show because the show is in season eight right now. Yeah, and honestly, I don't see it going past season ten. I agree. I mean, we're already a lot of people are already talking about how the the numbers are, are lower on the ratings and stuff like that. So the show, and this is I'm going to get into my theory of the show, and it has you know obviously I have no. Uh, foresee uh, future knowledge of where the show is going no one talks to me about it because i'm a nobody <laughs> but this is just from what i know from i get these emails from a guy rk i don't know what means. <laughs> <laughs> this is what i get this is what i i get i i gleam off of just watching a lot of tv and knowing how story narrative goes but what i think is that okay so here's this you know a spoiler mark right now for anybody that has not caught up on the walking dead tv show okay so uh, uh, what's the, the Carl, 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 Carl has been bitten. And as the show ended for this, the winter season finale, he's, he's explaining to his father, you're like, Oh, I got bit saving this guy, helping this guy out. Like I told you and stuff. And everybody's kind of, you know, crowded around him. And then they're going, <coughs> they, they are, you know, walking away or the, the camera pulls away. Now, if we're to believe at the point where he's supposed to have gotten bit, uh, he went a, a good couple days, you know, after being bit and not turning. I honestly think that this show is going with a, they're going to go on on a high note after season, at season 10 and be like, there is going to be a cure. And I think uh, Chandler, Carl, Carl, <laughs> Carl, yes, Carl is going to be patient zero for the, for the, for the cure. Now, if we go back to believing all those, like, those flashbacks at the beginning of the season were, or flash forwards, I guess, is more of it. Where we see old man Rick, and he's he's happy, and yes, we don't see Carl in those flat in those flash forwards, but you know, it's obvious that Judith has gotten older, him and Michonne live together, everything's kind of in a better place, and people are growing stuff. I I don't see why the show doesn't end on a we've we're trying to we're figuring out a cure because we're able to synthesize it off of Carl's blood for not being infected. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you know, like I like that and I, I think that's neat, but I feel bad because I feel like that goes to, oh, what's the video game? Um, the Last of Us. Okay. You know? I didn't play the video game, so I don't oh, know. Well, so that's what they, they play the idea because it's, it's the older guy and he's traveling the country with, with the, the little, little girl, girl. Yeah. And the little girl's basically, she's got the cure. Oh, I didn't know that she has the cure. Yeah. <clears throat> at least that's what I thought, you know, but I, I think I'm pretty sure it's a cure because I think that's what they want to do at the end is they want to kill her to synthesize or to synthesize the cure. It basically involves killing her. And that's why they're like, no, we're, we'll do it another way. We're not doing it this way. 
And see, the thing, the, one of the reasons why I think that this is a this is a way that they might be going is because if you watch the Fear of the Walking Dead as well, in not the last season but the season before that, when uh, the character of Nick was in was in a little community in Mexico. Uh, there was one man there who was kind of the leader of the community that claimed to have been bitten and not turned. Now you you do you do find out later in that season that he was lying that he had actually oh, okay. he had, something else had happened to him. But as a producer of the show or the, the the writers of the show, you'd be like you you put those Easter eggs or you not Easter eggs but you put those ideas in people's heads beforehand, just like they did. Two seasons ago, with with uh, 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 Asian dude Glenn, Glenn, yeah. yeah, you know, you put the idea of him dying into their head, and then pull it away. You're like, oh no, he didn't die. He went underneath the the dumpster. Then just for the beginning of the next season, for him to actually get killed by the by Lucille. So uh, if you see that they, <laughs> the, this is the way that they they do it. They kind of manipulate it to be like, oh, this is the idea. Oh, how do you feel about that? Then I, I really see it playing out that way. I don't know. I, I'm just saying that's the thing that could happen, and that's the way that the show would venture off from where the comic books are at. Oh, I like your idea, and that that makes the whole old man Rick flashes. That's like, oh, that's a cool twist to him. I didn't think that route. Um, but like, you're right. You you did call that, and he did the same thing in the comics with the whole like, oh no, Glenn's dead. Oh, it's okay, he's alive. And you're like, oh, I could unclench, and then yes. bam, and you're like, you son of a bitch, <laughs> yeah. you know. So I, I don't know what to expect. So it's it's interesting. You know, it's definitely going to be some stuff. Um, I mean, I don't know. I guess for me, I need a shot in the arm with this. Like the comic, <coughs> the minute they went to Old Man Rick, I lost my enthusiasm for it. And I guess it's because I liked, I got something I like to call main character syndrome. So I watch a movie, I read the book or something. I'm the main character. You know, I'm like, oh, him and I share these great, amazing traits. This is awesome. <laughs> and so for me, I really, I really like jived with, with Rick and I was excited about it. But then once they put him in the old man, old man Rick version, I was kind of like, ah, well, who cares? You know, I don't want to watch this guy who has a messed up leg, a hooked hand, you know, it's like, it's just not the same. And, and especially it's even harder to read because then you see Negan who's like young and, and virile and ready to like break shit. And then you got Rick who is broken shit, you know? So it's like, oh man. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I hope some of those things you're talking about there, your theories, I do hope they come true because that would be refreshing. You know, that would be something neat. It would take a different turn. Um, it would now, be different. Now, for the comic book, I, I honestly don't believe that they'll ever find a cure. I think that's just the way the world is going to be until he ends the book and <coughs> the book just ends. I agree with that. I, I would definitely say the book, it's it's something like, I mean, if he did end it, it would be like, well, you know, Rick died or something like that. Because to me, that's always been my stance. Once Rick dies, that's my point of view character. I'm out, you know. Um, so we talked about Rick dying. We talked about somebody else writing it and then obviously just ending the series completely like you mentioned. And that's what I was leading towards. Like, should there be, would there be a cure? I mean, cause, cause if you think in, like I said, I don't read the comic book, but you have the, the big old speech from, uh, Abraham. No, not Abraham. Uh, uh, guy who owned the ranch or not the, the oh, farmhouse. Uh, the, the, uh, Maggie's dad. Maggie's dad. Yeah. Herschel. Herschel. Herschel, you know, goes on his whole speech of we it's not some it's not enough to just uh to be alive. We have to 
we have to live, you know, kind of thing. We, we have to, exactly, we have yeah. to want to live just or we can't just survive. Yeah. So yeah. The, the book to book, the book just to, just for the, them to end it, just being like, okay, well we're still on the run and we're just, we're just surviving. That's that kind of goes against it. You know what I mean? It goes against that whole speech and the same with the show. If, if it's just, if there's no happy ending, then that whole speech is not, yeah, it kills it. Yeah. You know, it just, it's like you made a bleak universe that I really wouldn't want to tell others about because I wouldn't want to depress them. There's no, yeah, there's no happy ending. There's no, no light at the end of the tunnel, at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So, yeah, so definitely the book's out there. Um, well, the, okay. So you told me a little bit off uh, camera, off microphone, but uh, with what happened in today's issue of uh All right. If we're ready Walking for it, Dead, this is. Is that a is that a new point? Because you, you said something about oh, this is new. Yeah. This no, is, well, I mean, they said you you needed a new uh, injection or something, for, right? For yeah. it to well, make I want me something to make me, yeah. Well, like I'm definitely curious the mystery, and I want to see. But I'm gonna be honest with you, it's such a it's a hanging spoiler that could just break your heart even more, because one of the characters, so not to spoil it too much, but one of the characters finds out that a relative could be alive. Emphasis on could. So what does that mean? You know, like, and, and then the, the hard part is what if it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, if you look at the harsh reality and you think about this relative, odds are they might be gone by that point. So what if this is just something that like opens your heart up just to discover they're not there. Right. So that's why, again, it's, it's just more bleakness stacked on top of bleakness. So that's why it's like, I will play out the mystery but I don't know if that's a big enough shot in the arm for me to to get me rejuvenated on the comic. So, but yeah, definitely. I mean, look, at, look how much talking we did for that one issue. So it's, it's definitely it's it's a good one. So I definitely would go out there. It's an anniversary number, so it's definitely worthwhile. All right, now jumping into the Marvel comic side of things, let's see what Marvel's rebuilding for us. We have Astonishing X Men number seven. <coughs> I believe this. <coughs> I believe this starts the arc called A Man Named X, or A Man Called X. So Professor Xavier is back. His mind is inside the body of Phantom X. Um, so it's basically a three-part act. I was reading an interview with Charles Soule. So this is a three-part act. So we're in stage two. Uh, it sounds like this is very much going to be a limited series. So, you know, it's not too late to go get the back issues or pick up the trade. Um... Just to be honest with you, I mean, it's Professor X. I'm not too excited. Like, oh, he's back. You know, kind of like, no, he's, he's always been a douche, and I'm okay with him being gone. <laughs> um, so anyways, but yes, this is huge. I mean, we have, what, three, four, five, six, seven variant covers for this issue. Wow. So obviously this is huge. So this is definitely an issue to pick up. Now, what I think is a strange thing, and bear in mind, I don't, I haven't kept up with the character as long. Um or, you know, as, as many times as he showed up everywhere. But every time I've ever read a book with Phantom X in it, he's never taken his mask off. So I have no idea what he looks like underneath that costume. Yeah. So have they, now that Xavier's inside of his brain, have they, has he taken off the mask and he, we see what Phantom X looks like? <laughs> well, and this is the tough one, and I just glanced through the issue. He did remove the mask, but the question is, 
is he thought projecting you oh, to see Charles Xavier's face? I guess face? that's true. Or is he just like, oh, what a convenience. I found a guy who looks like me. Because, you know? <laughs> I mean, Charles Xavier could possess the body of Grant Morrison, and you'd be like, oh, so that's Professor Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> just happy stance randomness. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I would definitely... Then this sounds like this would be an issue worth definitely reading to check out on that one, because I, I couldn't tell you that one. Um this is going to be a neat one. Black Panther by Reginald Hudlin, The Complete Collection. When Reginald took over the Black Panther book, he did some exciting stuff. He definitely got people talking about it. And this was well before the thought of even getting a Black Panther movie. No, oh, yeah. He just did this to write an amazing story. So if you want to read his collection, it's all there for you in one volume. So as you're as you're going to the comic shop, that's definitely one to pick up. Do you know anything about the movie? If it's, <coughs> if it's taking any storyline from any like particular Black Panther like uh, trade or anything? Well, it's definitely going to be hard to say. I would say um, because the original stuff involved the Fantastic Four, so we won't be seeing that, that's for sure. Um, I know I would definitely say to look towards his like the first issue of his series, mm-hmm. like when they did a Black Panther book probably in the late 60s, early 70s. Um, if it involves claw, I, I would definitely say that's the best bet. Like I'll have to do some research and find some numbers for you, but I can definitely say, yeah, I know this is going to be a modified comic book story. Okay. You know, it's definitely something that they've done, brought it forward. So I'll get you some issues. Good question. Um, moving along, we got captain America issue 697. So this is where cap as he's traveling America. Now he runs into Craven the hunter. Um, beautiful artwork by Chris Samney. Craven and- the hunters alive. Yeah, well, why not? <laughs> okay. Marvel science. <laughs> no, actually, he's been a while, alive for a while now. Um, I'm not too sure how. Um, I think they brought him back in the Scarlet Spider book, but back when it was the Kane Scarlet Spider, mm. because they did have a showdown between those two. So Kane's been alive. Who fought, who, who won that fight? I mean, obviously, it would have been Kane. Because- uh, Kane got it, but it was very close because Craven actually wore the Ben Riley Scarlet suit and was beating the shit out of Kane, and then luckily Kane finally unmasked him. He's like, you son of a bitch, you know, and <laughs> because got that last-minute Rocky For win. some reason, as we learned when we when we finally read uh, Craven's Last Hunt, he likes to wear spider-man outfits yes <laughs> he's all about you know like oh let me put on the skin I guess of my that, enemy i was gonna say i guess that makes sense he, he wears the tiger face and the leopard pants and stuff like that he likes to wear the 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 skin of the creature he kills <laughs> yeah there you go it's it's his little uh trophy his little trophy you know some people have a bear skin rug he has a spider-man skin costume yeah <laughs> the creepy part is it's all peter parker skin mm. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so yeah, issue 697 of Cap is out there. And another reason why I mentioned this is this is the first sighting of Wolverine since Marvel Legacy. That's right. They're doing their quote-unquote in-credit scenes with Wolverine. Yep, so select comic books will actually have a two, three, to five-page little story that comes together. So a la the movies, now we get to see what's going on. So. Now, are the... the- the three to two pa- two three pages uh, at the end of the book are they part of the book that they're in, or are you supposed to collect all those two three pages together and make one separate book? I think it's the latter, where it's collect these to get the complete story. No, oh, so know? it's build a figure inside of your fucking toys. Yes, ah, exactly. Yeah. Lame. 
Yeah, and what kind of is annoying is you'll go out there and collect these, and they'll turn around and probably release a Wolverine Zero issue, yeah. which has all of it. It will probably be. It will probably be the. You know what? It will be the Zero Day, or not Zero Day, but the Free Comic Book Day issue. There you go. That's true. God, how even more insulting if it's free on top of that. <laughs> but you know, I to me, just for a story, I would love for it to be like it's the end of the Captain America story or whatever happened to Captain America and then like in the very background like you see Wolverine come out of a uh, alley and be like that guy he looks very familiar why do I know him you know I, I don't know exactly what storyline yeah, they're going with him do. right now but I would rather it be like h- him being affect you know him affecting the story that was happening there or at least being affected by the story that happened there yeah there's a purpose for him being in the comic for the story's sake as opposed to just the the, the monetary value yes yeah. exactly yeah because it would be kind of cool like let's say this craven issue is a one-parter so like let's say craven all of a sudden got whacked in the back of the head and cap hits the ko punch and cap's like wow that kind of lucked out and then you see wolverine standing you know holding like a couple of rocks it's like hey, yeah there you go bub <laughs> oh because it would also like it'd be reminiscent of <clears throat> His actual first appearance, like Wolverine's first appearance at the end of Incredible Hulk number one. Hulk 181, but he appeared in Hulk 180. Yes, exactly. So that's what I'm saying, <laughs> you know, just to be like, that would be the thing. I don't know. No, I, I totally like, I'd rather that myself because that way, if you're going to put him in, if you're going to inject him into the Marvel U, then inject him in the Marvel U, not injecting him into more Marvel comics. Right. You know, Not I, that we need more Wolverine in our Marvel comics. We have how many different Wolverines oh rolling God. around in the MCU right now? Yeah, that's a book you can bring back that title, Wolverines, with an S at the end of it, and there you go. It's going to be Team Wolverine. It's going to be the Wolverine Corps. Seriously. <laughs> in brightest claw and blackest red. <laughs> uh, but anyways, moving along. All right. This is going to get my vote. This is going to get the book that I'm going to read, so I'm waiting till I can... Sit down, but this is going to be the first comic book I read of 2018. I'm giving it to Guardians of the Galaxy issue 150. This is where it's kicking off, and technically it's already been kicking off. Um, This is the return of Adam Warlock. He's been gone for a while. I don't know if he's going to do anything major in the movies. Uh, Sean Gunn. No, James, James Gunn. Gunn. James Gunn has been open to the character, but I don't think he's like, he's like, I just said I'm open to the character. That doesn't mean anything major. <laughs> but um, Adam Warlock has been a major character when it comes to all things Infinity, Gauntlets, and Stones. <laughs> And right now we're we're searching all over the new modern post Secret Wars uh, Marvel universe. So you know this is going to be a major character that's going to have some issues with it. Uh, the story has been fantastic so far, so I'm excited to see where it goes. So I think this one, this is a big book. Uh, it's got eight variant covers, so that means something. <laughs> so definitely do yourself a favor, pick this one up. I think this is going to be huge, and this is going to be the start of something very. Very exciting for what Marvel's going to be building to. So I'm excited about that. So I think that's going to get the vote for my first comic to read of 2018. Uh, Continuing on, we've got Phoenix Resurrection, The Return of Jean Grey, Part 2 of 5. Now this is going to be weekly. So we got issue 1 last week, the last week of December, the last week of 2017. And so now for each week in January, we're going to get an issue that leads to it. Uh, The cliffhanger... (coughs) The cliffhanger on the last page of the first issue was huge. I'm a Cyclops fan, so I was just blown away by that. Um, 
I tried to cheat and look at spoilers. I didn't really see too much involving Scott, so I don't know what to think. But I am very excited to see what this book is going to do. Uh, this one has four variant covers, so definitely some big stuff there. Uh, in anticipation of getting ready for what's going to happen with the Black Panther movie, we have a miniseries, a six-part, called Rise of the Black Panther. Now, if you are looking for a comic book that's going to, you know, where did this come from from the movie? Yeah. This is the one, but this is definitely some chicken-egg stuff going on. Why did the miniseries get created? Because there's a movie. What is the movie going to be based off of the miniseries? So they'll feed each other. Uh, it's definitely an, an updated modern retelling of the Black Panther mythos and origins. So definitely worth picking up and reading. Um, if you want some 90s mutant lovin', get ready to pick up Rogue and Gambit number one. It'll be a five-part miniseries. Um, I don't know how people feel about this one because I personally, I always liked Rogue and Gambit together, but they've done so much with those two that like I, it's understandable why they would hate each other's guts. So it's going to be interesting. So is this going to be a miniseries that fixes their relationship or just... Puts one more nail in that coffin. Um, I like to think about, I think you read this miniseries as well. When Mockingbird came back to life at the end of Secret Invasion, mm -hmm. they did like a four-part miniseries. And it definitely brought the two together, Mockingbird and Hawkeye. Or, yeah, I think they called him Hawkeye, even though he was running around in the Ronin suit. Right. I, I think it brought them together, but obviously that didn't last. So I kind of wonder, is this going to be one of those ones where it's like, hey, that sounds like a good story, do it. And then they're just going to do what they're going to do anyways. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man issue 236 continues on with Miles Morales. Uh, this one's going to be interesting because as he fights his Sinister Six, uh, there's a close relationship. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays off. This has been a fun ongoing arc, so it continues. Then we have X-Men Gold number 19. And then the last one coming out from Marvel that I would say go get is X-Men Grand Designed number two. Ed Piscor, he's famous for this history of hip hop. Now he's taken his talents and he's brought it over to Marvel Comics as X-Men. Um, I, I, I flipped through issue one and I enjoyed what I saw. So I'm very excited to see issue two. And apparently this is going to take us through like, I don't know, 30 years of X-Men history. So it'll be interesting to see how he continues on and where he leaves off with that issue. So that's what's out there. There's a lot of stuff. Save your money and definitely, you know, ask your local comic shop about working in trade for comic books. There's <laughs> going to be a lot to do there. All right. Uh, last week we didn't get to uh, what we are reading. Um I think for me, I mean, I had a lot of uh, issues that I was going through, but I think what stuck out for me the most was that I got to finally pick up uh, trades, trade volumes of Green Arrow from the start of Rebirth. Oh, nice! Yeah, so I got to, I got to, I got to pick up a, a little bit of the the new history, I guess is the way the way to put it for yeah, Oliver Queen. <laughs> yeah. Um, Oliver Queen's always been a character that I've enjoyed, and I, I I like to stick by him when people are just like, "Oh, he's another Batman, and he's just the same kind of thing." It's like, no, he's really not. He's he's he's, total, he's his own man. He's his own character. He's got his own thing going on. It's just that he just happens to be another superhero that doesn't have superpowers. But yeah, uh, street level <clears throat> social justice. Exactly, strong guy. So uh, you know, going back and reading reading these new issues, there's some things that I don't agree with. They, they that they're trying to like bring in from the TV show. All oh, right, right. right. <clears throat> and there's some things that I, I like that they changed up. 
I don't I don't know how I feel about this whole Seattle Star City thing. Like it seems weird to me. Like I, I get they put him in Seattle because they wanted the Emerald. He's the Emerald Archer, and they wanted the Emerald City. Right. But then they made it so that Star like uh, Star City came out of Seattle. Like it it Seattle had become so bad and corrupt and all that stuff and and bankrupt that they were like, oh, we'll just change the name to Star City and it, we'll be a brand new city. Yeah. Which came from the TV show because it was Starling City and then they became Star City because the city was so corrupt and bankrupt. Yeah. <clears throat> And then once again, you know the introdu- introduction of his his best friend buddy John Diggle, which you know before the TV show <laughs> character never existed. He Andy Diggle had written uh, Green Arrow Year One, which was a great fucking book. I need to read a that. great miniseries. Yeah, if you if you ever read it, you should. Read it. And uh, they they wanted to pay homage to him by giving him a, a character, so they made the character Andy Diggle in the show. Who's who had who had died in uh, uh, in service to the military, and his brother came back to the city to one take care of his sister-in-law and two to kind of figure out why he died. So his name was John Diggle. John Diggle then becomes you know the bodyguard of of Oliver Queen. Then finds out that Oliver Queen is green, is the hood in the TV show. And then he then he's like, oh, well, I'll help you out because my brother was a good guy too. And then and then later on, they're like, oh, brother's not so great of a guy and stuff. You know, it's just <laughs> it was all over the place. But th- it's just funny how the the character got put into the comic books because the comic books had created the character. You know, so chicken and the eggs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, it, but it's interesting what they've done with him in the comic book. I guess a little bit. I read more of the Renew Your Vows, uh, nice. which is a gr- I think is a great book. They've done they've done this whole you know, you know jump ahead ten years now. She went from being so young. Anne Parker has gone from being eight years old to well, probably seven years old to seventeen years old. I think. Okay. <coughs> she no longer wants to be uh, Spiderling. She wants to be you know something else because Spiderling's too much of a kitty name, name, baby yeah. name, yeah. Uh, let's see. What else have I read? Uh, I mean, I've got, I've got to read a lot of the the Batman metal. You nice. Know? Or not? I'm sorry. Just is it Batman metal or is it just metal? Well, it's Dark Knight's metal. Dark Knight's metal. Okay, there you go. Uh, I I've I've enjoyed a lot of the. What's the What's the books called that are that's introducing us to the other Batman? So they're just basically like Batman the Dawnbreaker, okay. Batman the Merciless, so titled I've, for that. Yeah, Batman. I've liked a lot of those. Now, I had a question about that. So, take Batman uh, Dawnbreaker. Okay. All right. So, it tells us right at the beginning of that book that that is Earth, and I don't remember the number, but let's say 32, but negative right. 32, negative 32 because yeah. it's the underworld. It's the dark universe. Right. Now, by the time that, that, that book ends, um, the, the dark, that negative 32 universe is disappearing because the dark universe doesn't exist it, it's it's a shadow basically it's a decision that was made in earth 32 that didn't that doesn't pan out so it's a it's a it's an echo i guess is another way of putting yeah. it so that means in in earth 32 batman actually does get the green lantern ring and doesn't go uh evil he goes good is that how you read that or do you think it's something else i like that theory um I like that theory a lot, but I didn't. I didn't pick that up. You know, I didn't think like, oh, okay, because then again, it's like, so do we have? Because hey, I'm all up for that. Because like, then whatever kingdom comes, Earth number is. <laughs> do we have a negative kingdom come where yeah, like ooh, Superman's wow. like, 
yeah, fuck this shit. And he just, he shows up and then goes full throttle Magog on everybody. He's like, this is what you want. This is what you get. You know, so I just take it as it's random numbering like DC Comics does. Right. You know, there's no rhyme or reason to it. But that would be cool because something I like, we do have an Elseworlds where Batman did get the ring. Yes. Uh, Batman in Darkest Night. So Batman got the ring and, you know, how awesome would it be where if they, yeah, like let's open up hyper time because we already have and bring that Batman in and have him fight the Dawnbreaker. I mean, wouldn't that make the most sense for the end of the story to be like, yeah, you know, you've got your count, you got these counterparts of Batman. Well, we got the good versions of them and let's see how that works out for you. Yeah, we could bring the Superman from Speeding Bullets who is essentially Superman who became Batman. Right. Well, Batman and Superman mixed and he fights the, oh man, what was it? The Doom Slayer? The Doom, no, the, I don't remember what he was called. But anyways, but he fights that one. So it's like, here's a, you know, here's an angry Superman with Batman style thought Thought, fighting a Bruce Wayne. Or yeah, here's a Superman with Bruce Wayne style thought fighting a Bruce Wayne with doomsday abilities. Yeah, that'd be pretty (laughs) badass. So uh, Scott Snyder, because I know you listen to us all the time, please take that idea and make us happy (laughs) but rumor is some of these batman are gonna stay after metal i don't know if i feel how i feel about that i i don't i don't want it like okay so we got white knight where we got i know white knight doesn't take place in the regular universe it's 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 an elseworld we're not saying saying elseworlds anymore (laughs) just like nightwing new order is an elseworld but uh yeah we have a bat we have a bruce i'm sorry we have a joker that is going around as batman in metal, we have a Batman that's going around as a Joker. Like, right? I don't need that. I don't need two Batmans and two Jokers. And I don't need one that's a mix. So, just, you know, it's it's going to end up being like Wolverine over in Marvel. We don't need a bunch of Batmans <laughs> running around. Well, the thing is, like, I like these ideas, but I hope they pan out longer than, like, the writer has interest. Because, for example, like, okay, when we had Brightest Day. Or, I'm sorry, not Brightest. We had Blackest Night. So it's like, hey, let's take your favorite DC heroes and give them Green Lantern rings. Let's give them different color rings, you know, awesome. which I was fine with. But and I enjoyed it. But yeah. it's like, I wish like, how come these cores blew up and now we don't see squat? We don't see Red Lanterns. We don't see uh, Star Sapphires. We don't see anything. The White Lantern. OK, what was so special about it? So the ring brought Boston Brand to life, dead man. And then he died. So he could pass it on to Swamp Thing. And then Swamp Thing did nothing with the ring and then it vanished. Then Kyle becomes a white lantern because he mastered all the other colors. And it's like, but is his white ring the same as the previous white rings? Like, nobody picked up the story. So I'm excited for that. And I want that stuff to leave, to continue on. But if nobody's going to write it, then it, it just sucks. It's like you bought this cool toy and you're not doing anything with it. And speaking of toys, DC Collectibles... <laughs> Why have I not seen solicitations yet? You know, like how cool would that have been to be like, yeah, let's get, let's have a DC comic or let's have a DC collectibles, uh, you know, fear lantern Batman standing up to the Joker Batman. The God, what is that one called? The merciless. Uh, the Joker. Batman who laughs. There you go. The Batman who laughs. Like how cool would that be? I would love to have that diorama. And in that case, if you're not going to do it, then, you know, Mattel, Get on top of it, or Hasbro buy Mattel and start making DC figures because Mattel's not doing it. You know, like DC, like let's pick it up. <laughs> uh, another story that I really enjoyed um, that I I got to read the end of. I think it's the end of that story now. Is uh, the in Weapon X, the Weapon H? Uh, oh right, right, yeah, yeah. The, the Hulk 
the Hulk, combination Wolverine, the Hulkarine. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's what they were calling it or not, but uh, I really enjoyed that story. Like th- this guy was a you know I, I don't I guess I don't know if he was the right, right mixture of uh, of mutant or something else, to, so that they they were like, oh, we can put the Hulk serum in him and the and graft uh, uh, adamantium to his bones and stuff. And then you know you got this crazy scientist lady who's who's in control of him. And you got Stryker in there who who funded the building of him. Damn Stryker! Right, and then you uh and and you got Wolverine. Oh well, I'm sorry, not Wolverine. Well, you do have Wolverine because Laura's there. Right. But you have Old, Old Man, Man Logan, Logan, who's who's literally like the only one that's like, hey guys, let's try talking to him. You know, let's try figuring yeah. figuring this out when he's you know you're so used to Wolverine being the one that's just like. Fuck it, let's yeah. just kill Berserker. things. Yeah. So <clears throat> it was a really good book. Towards the end, uh, you know, you think that he's going to this the guy who they've fucked with his mind so much that he can't remember who he is. That he's going he's going to the facility to try and find his his old identity. And when actuality, he gets there and he just burns the place down because he doesn't want anybody else to know who he is. So he doesn't. He's basically trying to protect any family that he has out there because he knows as. The weapon that they've turned him into, he's, uh, you know, everybody that, that is related to him or whatever is going to um, be uh, a target now. Yeah. Him, yeah, so he, he's he's getting rid of all that, and uh, and then essentially he just walks away at the end. Like, you don't really know what, what what's going to have become of him, which wow. I thought was very interesting. That's cool. Yeah. So in your opinion, then, who wins? Weapon H or the Devastator? There we go. That was, No. Yeah, I think it was the Devastator. The Superman Doom... Or the Batman Oh, Doomsday. yeah, you're right. <laughs> Since we're merging characters. <laughs> that would be an interesting fight. I would love to see that. Uh, I almost have to give it to that Weapon H character. I mean... Nice. The dude is, the dude is powerful. Yeah. He's very powerful. I mean, he and he has his own mind, unlike the Hulk, you know? The Hulk loses his mind. Or oh. not, loses his intelligence, I should say. Right. He, he seems to have his intelligence. So nice. All right. Well, you definitely put that on my radar. I'm gonna have to check that out. Uh, last thing I wanted to talk about before I, I hand it over to you is I f- I went and bought the hard trade of Batman Rebirth. So oh, Rebirth nice. Batman number one, and then Batman Rebirth. Probably like one through twelve or something. I think like it's that. I think it's one through twelve. Yeah. yeah. I've only gotten through one through five so far. So I am Gotham. I believe is yes, the name of that storyline. Gotham. Yeah. And I just want to say, in the Batman, the Rebirth Batman number one, oh my God, there's the scene. I think it's in Rebirth Batman number one. It might be in Batman Rebirth number one, but it's there's a scene when um, a plane is going down. Oh God, yeah. And and Batman has he's like it, it, it's it's essentially it's it's the same scene that you see in in the origin story of Superman where you know a plane's going down Lois Lane's on that plane and Superman makes his debut of stopping the plane and 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 putting it down right like right. Sa- to safety. So you have the same situation but you have Batman who doesn't have super strength in flight yeah. but he has ingenuity and he has intelligence and a and the willingness to sacrifice himself. Yeah. So he's sitting there on the tail of this of this jumbo jet as it's crashing into the equipment of the Hudson River in New York, and he's using batarangs and, and cables to steer it from the back of the plane. Yeah, right. To the point where, <coughs> to the point where he's going to land it in the water, and everybody on the plane will be saved, you know, saved and safe and and okay. 
except for him being on the outside of the plane means he's going to be thrown and killed. Like he will be, his body will be mangled, and he he knows this going into there, and he has Alfred in his ear. <coughs> Shit, sorry. He has Alfred in his ear saying, "All your calculations are correct. The computer says this will work. However, you know this means you're going to die." And he's like, yes, I understand that. And then the two of them just start having a conversation. As this intense situation is going yeah. on. And he's like, he, he says, I've, I've set up the boys with this. This will happen for the boys, These, etc., uh, etc. Et you know, for the cave, this will happen. Uh, Clark knows what to do for this. And then basically, after all the, the last will and testament shit is ta- taken care of, he starts having a, a father-son conversation with Alfred, which... To me, that's he's always Alfred's always been his father. Like, yeah. I mean, not his biological father, and but it's obviously, the man who raised him. Yeah, it's you the know, man who yeah. raised him. It's the man who taught him to be who he is now. Yeah, and uh, you know, you can hear it in Alfred's voice too, where like it, it's he's cracking and stuff, and he's like, Al- <coughs> he said, Alfred, you know, would my would my parents be proud of me? And I I bawled. I was bawling reading this comic book. It, it was. And of course, I knew he wasn't going to die. Uh, Gotham comes in right <laughs> after, the right twist. there, and says, yeah, <laughs> comes in and saves him. Which that that story then goes on the I am Gotham story. That is an incredible fucking story, right? About this boy who was saved by Batman from a situation that Bruce Wayne encountered himself, and from that point on, he, like he he tells the boys like. It's okay to be afraid. It's what we do when we're afraid that makes us, you know, better or whatever and stuff right. like that. And the boy, you know, coming from a wealthy family, then takes his own money to help others. And he teaches his sister, his little, his baby sister, to, to, to help others and use their money for good. But then eventually, <coughs> they get into the story where, I guess they used some money to pay for a service where... They they got superpowers. Yeah, they got meta meta gene. Meta gene. I don't. I I don't know. I I haven't got to that part in the story yet where they talk about how it exactly worked. It's just that the more of their power that they used, the more it took off from their life. Yeah. So he could have. He said you could fly around for you know forty years, rest of your life, because it's just the the power of flight. But you could be a god for the next two hours and then die. And yeah. and that's what eventually happens to him because he was under the control of Psycho Pirate. Psycho Pirate gets into his brain. Psycho Pirate being used as a weapon by Doctor Hugo Strange. Oh my God! Whoever th- who who wrote that story? Tom King. To 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 think of that combination, right? You've got to be a sick pup. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, his dude. We have been so lucky because I, I know you and I. I think we've been reading Batman around the same time and we had Grant Morrison jump on. And that was like, you had one year later, which was basically the end of infinite crisis. So we did the one year later, which I always remember the detective story. I don't really remember the, the Batman story. I think I remember in the Batman story, not to cut you off, but in the Batman story, after the one year later was about him and the boys kind of becoming closer as a family and how they went to Nanda Prabhat, I believe, to, to, to study. Like, I know they, he, they went on the journey together. Yeah. Yeah. And so when they came back, but then, like, I think it was just a quick arc, and then it was like, boom, Grant Morrison is on Batman. Mm-hmm. And it's like, holy shit. And that was great. I mean, I enjoyed that era, uh, leading to Dick Grayson being Batman. It was fantastic stuff. And that pretty much took us to Batman Incorporated, which then led to New 52 Batman. And I almost thought about dropping the book because at the time I didn't know who Scott Snyder was. And I was like, eh, you know, whatever. 
And I'm glad that I kept buying it. And then finally I sat down and read it and I was like, oh my God, like his first two arcs just opened with an amazing bang. And then he pretty much ruled all of Batman all the way through New 52. And then Tom King took it over. So honestly, we've had Batman for almost like a solid 10 years written by like three men. And it's been fucking amazing. Tom King's Batman. This is, this is insane. It has been beautiful stuff. Uh, I'm glad you're finally getting onto that because, yeah, I am Gotham, I am Suicide, and I am Bane. Those are the next three stories. Holy shit. Dude. Wow. Yeah. Money well spent by so those trades. So does the I covers. am Bane story go right into the Bane jer- conquest? No, unfortunately. Oh, um, really? I mean, it might. There might be some ties to it, but I don't think there is. I think it was just, hey, Bane's popular again. Let's go to the original creators. You guys busy? Want to do a Bane story? And that's kind of what I felt like it was. I don't think it necessarily uh, tied into it. But, I mean, Tom King's version of Bane was so good that I would be... Like, I'm kind of waiting on that one. I'm waiting to see how the 12-issue arc goes. And then if it's got good reception, I'll go back and read it. So I'm kind of taking the wussy way out instead of shelling out the $4 or $3 weekly or monthly to find out if it was worthwhile. Hmm. Okay. But yeah, dude, Tom King's Batman, right? Yeah. Oh my god! Wait till you get to issue six. Wait till you get. Wait till you get closer to the Psycho Pirate. Ooh. Like that book is gonna melt in your hands. You're just gonna be reading it so quick because like <laughs> I couldn't put them down. Like I was just like, oh my god, you know, like it's amazing stuff. Interesting. And honestly, it would almost be worthwhile to say get yourself a notepad and write stuff down because there's there's a lot of clues. Because huh. Psycho Pirate, you know, he's a big villain in the DCU. Mm-hmm. He has major ties to crisis. Right. He's the only person who remembered pre-crisis. Pre-crisis, yeah. So it's kind of like, hmm, why him? And why did he do what he do? And why Batman? Things <laughs> like that. So, yeah, that that's definitely, that's a seed. That's one of those things where it's like, this is going to come back to play later on in the DCU. <laughs> yeah. So before you get into uh, what you've been reading and maybe you're, you're 17 of se- 2017, you know, uh, DC came out with Rebirth. Was it over two years ago now? Well, yeah, 2016, so yeah. Okay. Um, And I don't know if Marvel is trying to do an equivalent with that with Legacy, or is it just kind of like, hey, remember? Kind of thing. But if they were to do uh, another reboot of their world, what would you call it? I mean, because we had, we had what, uh, Marvel... Uh, Heroes Reborn, which was kind yeah. of a reboot, and it it failed, and the then fu- Heroes failed. Return, which was kind of like, hey, we fucked up, so we're going to go back. They're back, yeah. Um, oh, that's a tough question because I like Legacy. You know, I'm I'm totally fine with them calling. Hey, this is the Legacy era. I'm okay with that. Um, you know, and I I feel like I feel like something is happening. Obviously, something's happening. You know, we have the Infinity Countdown, you know, and you need to think of two villains when you think of Infinity Countdown, you know, Thanos and Kang. So, you know, these are people that can shape time and reality. We're bringing the Infinity Stones back for a reason. And with the Miss Marvel book, they're coming from an alternate dimension, which, as we've seen before with the Infinity Gauntlet, it doesn't mean shit. The 616 Infinity Gauntlet will do nothing in the Ultimate Universe. It'll do nothing in the MC2 Universe. So what's what's going on with Carol's book? Why do we care about the fact that she found a stone? You know, So this is going to be some big stuff. Um, 
I do feel like we are we are starting to get closer to like a crisis on infinite earths in the Marvel U. Everybody was saying, and even Marvel themselves kind of said that's what secret war was, uh, the 2015 secret war, but that book sucked. Uh-huh. I mean, like I honestly like issue four, I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. And I half ass read it. It just did not have a big effect and it didn't, it didn't feel like it mattered, I guess. Um, so long story short, what would I call it? I guess, I mean, this would be cheesy, but I would almost say call it the age of Marvels because it was the Marvel age of comics. So this is the age of Marvels. That's the best I could come up with. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, and it's it's unfortunate because DC already used the name Rebirth, but I think with the character like Phoenix, you have the perfect idea of, of rising from the ashes of the old with something new. So uh, you couldn't say you can't say rebirth, which was Phoenix's means rebirth. Well, but you could go because you know there's other R words that Marvel used. We had Captain America reborn, heroes reborn, right. Daredevil reborn. So you could have the reborn era, but that's definitely going to be biting. Too yeah, close I say, to I don't, yeah. So I was just saying maybe risen, like Marvel oh. risen or Marvel rise. You know. Well, what's interesting is they're they're calling it Phoenix Resurrection. Oh, there for you her go. New books. Marvel so you could Resurrection. Have Marvel Resurrection. That could definitely be one. Um, it's tough because I think about that too. And obviously with my symmetry, I'm like, Oh, that'd be even badass if they went that route. Um, you know, I, I kind of thought about, I mean, what if you just did that with infinite, the infinity stones and, and the Phoenix force, like just came together and boom, recreated like basically the big bang for Marvel. Yeah. Like did like a zero hour, fix the timeline. Yeah. Right. The wrongs give us we the perfect version. We don't of need eight Wolverines and, in two X-Men teams of the same people, you know, we don't need all the, the redundancies. Yeah. Oh man, that would be beautiful. I, that would be great. I I just, it's, it's tough. Like what, what what do you call that era? What do you call that? You know, Marvel will never do it. I know that for a fact, but well, you know, there, I, I feel like for once and I have faith in CB, something's going on. Um, so I'm collecting X-Men blue. And the next issue is going to be the final part of the cross time capers. And so we have the old X-Men who are brought to the future or to the present. And then they're sent to the future and then they're working their way back down the time stream just to find out that they've become a bunch of dicks. If that makes sense. 60s X-Men living in so 2010 era. Yeah. And then they got blasted into the way future. Okay. Visited 2099. They're coming back. Uh, now they're kind of like in basically the 90s with Generation X. And they're going to go back even further and line, learn that they're they're horrible people. Um, I feel like because in the arc after that, due to the solicitations, it's other characters in the X-Men Blue Book. And I kind of feel like with the Disney-Fox merger, you know, Marvel 2 and 1, it's now, now they're using words like Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. So they basically said, yeah, this is a Fantastic Four story. So, I mean, <coughs> time travel's involved. Characters are being rearranged in return. This would be perfect to basically, like, honestly, just create something. Like, maybe Infinity Countdown. Maybe that is your Crisis on Infinite Earths. And then whatever you rebrand your Marvel Universe with, the first book that comes out should be Fantastic Four number one. You know, and then you play it out from there. Then you, you know, Uncanny X-Men. You know, and you do the big number one issue and or you do something crazy. Call it, you know, whatever the latest issue would be, 604.1. And then there you go. And readers know that this is a starting point. 
And then it's also continuing the legacy of the Marvel numbering for comics. And we've got a brand new continuity. Because here's a question that would be interesting for you. Um, did you read Spider-Man? No, I, I haven't oh, read it. Worth, worth a definite read. But anyways, in this latest issue, and I haven't got to read it yet, but it sounds like the Ultimate Universe is back. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's something that should exist, should not exist? Well, I, I would love for the Ultimate Universe to exist, but ex- exist proper as in uh, as a separate thing from the 616 i i don't i don't i don't need jimmy hudson and miles morales should have their own right exactly they should have their own stories and they should have their own adventures that have absolutely nothing to do or any influence from what's happening in 616 like as of right now jimmy hudson is uh, last i saw him was running around with the x-men blue team yep and uh miles morales obviously always has uh peter parker the loom of peter parker over the the live peter parker over his head yeah. like in the alternate universe he continues a legacy he continues a legacy but now of, he's uh, trapped in the shadow yeah so yeah that's i don't know that's I, that's how i feel about it I, I what they're doing now from the sounds of it it sounds like it sounds like what it was, it was what they were already doing with all the ultimate characters it was like hey you didn't know it, but this character was just hanging around over here, and he was already—he's been here for a while because you know the mer- the world's merged. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, you know, it, it definitely <laughs> is, and it's funny because I remember reading an article years ago, like decades ago, I guess by now. Um, DC was being made of fun made fun of by Marvel because they were like, oh yeah, how stupid is it that you have all these different versions of Superman and ah ha 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 ha, <laughs> and with us we only have one Spider Man, and that's the way it is, and it's like, no. You have Spider-Man, you have Peter Parker, you have Miles Morales, you have Ben Riley, you have Miguel O'Hara, Kane, you have Miguel O'Hara, um, and I'm sure there's tons out there. You have Spider-Gwen, uh, something about Spider-Ghost is coming, you know, and it's like, I mean, so you, you have, you have, you have Venoms, you have Carnages, you have, you have, uh, you have Cindy Moon bitten by Cindy, the same spider. Yeah, yeah, Cindy Moon. So, I mean, it's like, and I mean, I'm fine with family building. I yeah. would love, I love, like, I think, um, God, here I am talking about a character and I can't even remember their name. Cindy Moon is Silk. Silk. I like her. Uh huh. I think she is like she, that is a natural. As we talked about with last pot, the last podcast, you know, like okay, w- w- there's diversity and there's right ways to do it, there's wrong ways to do it. Cindy Moon is the perfect way to do it. Because it's like, okay, they made her feel like she was always there, even though she hasn't. But they made her feel like she was always there. She has a tie-in origin, and nothing was forced. It just happened organically. And it's like, that's beautiful. That's the best way to do it, in my opinion. And then you have you have Julie Carpenter. You, you have, have Julia. Um, uh, J- Jessica Red Drew. One Jessica Drew. Uh, is Maddie, Maddie Franklin. Franklin. I was going to say, is Maddie, Maddie Franklin. Franklin. Around, you know. And then you got Spinnerette and... Another Peter Parker and uh, yep. and Spiderling. I mean, those are all exist in Marvel Comics, so you can't sit there and say that you don't make the same character over and yep. over. Yeah, well, it's like, I mean, th- that's the, the, the beautiful thing and the sad thing about the book Exiles. The Exiles book was like, hey, let's open up the multiverse and let's do this. And it's like... That's a bad can of worms. And I remember thinking that. I remember when they, when they introduced that book and I said, ah, you're no better than DC. Yeah, no, but you know, and I love multiverses <laughs> though. I love. I oh, love I love the, that stuff. Yeah, but they're good places to visit. We don't need. We don't need it to. Stay. We don't need storylines to just based off that stuff. It's that's where fan fiction comes in. Well, exactly, and like I mean, to me, it's like that's where it's like I'd rather have a what if or a mini series. But yeah, to give it to because like 
<clears throat> I mean, this is going to be tough because to me, like like that 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 last page of Spider-Man Two issue five with Miles seeing the Ultimate Universe, it's like, well, is he an official six one six character? Is he a transplant character? You have Riri Williams in there. And then the question starts thinking, it's like, well, would Riri had done better if she was introduced as an ultimate character and grew organically in there? Or is it better that she was introduced in the 616 and grew there? But then we want Tony Stark back, so she's going to take a back seat. Where would Ironheart have been better? So it's tough because like, they did a good job of making new characters, but now it's like, well, shit, where do we feature them? You know, where can they where can they get their big moments in the sun? And that's that's going to be tough, you know, so I don't know. But speaking of something, this was big news today. <coughs> speaking of exiles. And again, this is some time travel stuff here. Some multiverse hopping. You know, DC just said the hell with it. Let's firmly embrace hyper time. Marvel's got space time, which is basically hyper time. Just <laughs> trademarked differently. I mean, fully embrace it. You know, because yeah. here's something. I, Marvel's willing to play nice. Um on Secret Wars, I think it was Secret Wars number nine, the Alex Ross cover, because Lord knows Marvel loves to make their variants. Um, we see an Alex Ross painting, and there's definitely like how they always do that with those big comic pages, and you see the background panels, and it's like the night Gwen Stacy died, uh, the mutated Spider-Man, so all these different little panels of different worlds. And you see that little bit of, of Superman versus Spider-Man. Oh, really? Yeah, like it's, it's, it's nicely hidden in there. So that means at one point we know that there's a world where Superman and Spider-Man both coexisted. Right. And it's part of the Marvel multiverse. Well, it's like, well, maybe if we can bridge that to hyper time, you know, it's like, all right, through an extension of extension, we have these two perfect worlds. Anyways, I digress. So that's out there. Uh, But Exiles, Exiles is coming back. So the Unseen, because everybody knows this character and loves this character, a.k.a. Nick Fury, he's going to get his new team of exiles. So we're going to have Blink. She's drawn a little bit differently. So I don't know if that means she grew up or if she's a different multiverse version. Iron Lad of the Younger Avengers. So this was Kang in a younger form. And then a future version of Kamala Khan and a chibi style of Wolverine and then a mysterious unrevealed fifth member. I'm going to say Gambit because he's popular again. <laughs> Which is, You think that's just because of the movie? I don't know what to say. I'm not too sure how to, you know, because honestly, to me, I don't give a crap about Fox films right now. Like, I'll go see Phoenix Resurrection or no, sorry, X-Men Dark, Phoenix, Dark Phoenix, Dark, yeah, but Dark it's Phoenix. not going to hold any sway. You know, I, I do feel bad for those actors. I mean, that's great that uh, Channon Tating is going to play Gambit, but I'm almost kind of like, well, maybe should they hold off on the film and wait till they integrate the X-Men into the Marvel U? Yeah. You know, because it's a shame because it's like, yeah, you you could sneak Deadpool in, you know, with the fact that he fought on a helicarrier, quote unquote. So you could sneak Deadpool in and just be like, yeah, the X-Men always hid themselves. Professor X used his mutant abilities to conceal and they fought from the shadows because they saw that the world didn't accept the Inhumans. So that's why they stayed even more hidden. And you flip flop the X-Men Inhuman idea, you know, and then now they're going to get exposed. But it's like, yeah, you know, like, would I have wanted to see... um, Hugh Jackman play Wolverine? Of course I would have. But at the same time, I also understand he's getting older. So if we're going to have a Wolverine in the MCU, we need a younger guy or we need a new actor. So to me, it's like, well, if you introduce him, then you're just kind of doing a down service to him, his character, and what that movie could have been. I don't know. Long rant, but that's my <laughs> So I mean, yes, there is definitely popularity into that. Um, you know, it's just going to be interesting why they would pick him. And then again, who is this fifth member of the Exiles? 
that's the you know that's that that is something to to contemplate i mean who would who would be the person that would fit in with the group as they've made it so far yeah i think it's got i think it's got to be i would say it's probably going to be an inhuman person give them one last shot at keeping that property alive and aware it's going to be <coughs> king black bolt himself maybe i would pick karnak He's the most interesting of the characters. Yeah, I mean, he's with his ability to just look at something, size it up. He's a formidable fighter. Mm -hmm. He's a great tactician. And he would be the brain that you need on that team. Because no offense to those characters, you know, Iron Lad is too emotional. Hell, Kang is too emotional. It's true. So, yeah, it's neat to have that character in there. And that gets my Young Justice money wanting to be spent. But... And, you, you know, know, you don't really have your brain. You know, everything about Kang the Conqueror is something that I should like, but he's just so confusing because you got you got Iron Lad, Kang the Conqueror, and Immortus, right? Right. Like they're all the same guy, and it's all different points of his life. And one, he's a hero. One, he's a villain. One, he's the he's just like an old guy. And I don't, I don't know. It's just I don't know why Marvel keeps trying to use that character. Yeah, it, he's. <laughs> It's so twisted. It's like, just just keep him Kang. Because it's like, even historically, I think Kang appears in like issue nine of the Avengers. Wow. And then Immortus appears in issue 10 of the Avengers. <laughs> so it's like, even when they were created, it's like, yeah, they're just two random time travel guys. Yay. <laughs> and then it's like, well, they can't just be random. They've got to be, they've got to be the actual guy. It's got to be somebody else. It's got, or no, it's got to be him at a different point in his life. So yeah, it's, it just got too redundant to the point. Because, yeah, I agree with you. It's like Kang should be everything we like in mm -hmm. a comic book villain. Um, Kurt Busiek did um, did a great run of Kang. Um, God, I can't remember what that... The Once in Future Kang. Mm. That's what it's called. And it was a great story. Kang basically won and put the Avengers in check. And it's like, damn, that's awesome. But, you know, then somebody else comes along and does a mediocre Kang story or changes the mythos of Kang. And then you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, he's back to being cheese again. Well, I mean, I, I have to admit the first time that I really read this, his story or read about him was in uh, was in Young Avengers when Iron Lad was introduced to me by Alan Heinberg. I want to say he was the yes, same. Yeah. Um, yeah. He you know, the way that he told the story, I was like, OK, I think I'm kind of wrapping my head around this. And then <laughs> it's just kind of like a it's like it's like grabbing onto Jello, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put <laughs> it. Yeah. There's always room. But, <laughs> damn, it's so tricky. <laughs> uh, OK, did you have a couple of issues of something that you wanted to throw out there first before you get into your two your 2017? Oh, okay, so stuff that I'm reading outside of my out of the well, stuff I'm reading. So. I was thinking about Cyclops, as I often do. <laughs> and, you know, like, so the worst thing I could have ever done, and this is no offense, and I won't name the group, but on Facebook, I've joined one of the many comic, comic book, groups. book groups that are on there. And there's one about, that's obviously, it's, it's X-Men themed, it's Cyclops themed, and th some of them have post really good posts. And some of them just post shit. And... You know, a lot of people are like, well, this is when Cyclops really turned or this is when Cyclops really changed. And I was like, and it got me thinking, because I'll, I'll tell you, as much as a Cyclops fan as I am, I don't remember him changing costume because he had the costume he had in the the Astonishing X-Men where it went back to having a cowl, the silver visor and the, the, the silver trim. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden he just had the costume that had the little X patch on his heart and the gold cuffs. 
and it was it was very similar, but there's a costume change. And I'm like, wow, I didn't notice that. Mm-hmm. When did it happen? So I think it happened in Messiah Complex, but I'm not sure. So it got me thinking. And I was like, okay, well, when did Cyclops change? So I put together a reading order of trade paperbacks, and I'll probably do a write-up and, and post some pictures and whatnot. But anyways, what I've read so far is I went back to – I was going to do – so I ended it at the Grant Morrison stuff. So that's that's my ground zero. Okay. So in the Grant Morrison run, we had Magneto turned out to be Zorn, and he destroyed New York. Right. And then I guess that stuff didn't happen because to destroy New York in a post-9-11 world and all that stuff, it was just kind of untasteful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially with it being Magneto because now he's totally not a redeemable villain. So I don't know how they explained that. Maybe I'll get to see that as I'm doing this reread. But anyways, I was going to read. There were two issues of Uncanny X-Men written by Chuck Austin, the forgotten writer. Um, Anyways, he wrote these two issues, and it's it's called uh, Bright New Mornings. And it's a really good Cyclops Beast issue, uh, two-parter, because... Essentially, we discover that Cyclops, from the end of Here Comes Tomorrow by Grant Morrison, Cyclops is like, I'm done. I can't do this life anymore. I'm sick of it. The cost is too much. I'm out. So he leaves. Emma and Hank try to pick up the pieces and do the best they can. So Hank winds up being more the headmaster of it. Right. Well, Hank, to help himself through all the stress and everything, winds up taking Kick. Kick turns out to be... (coughs) Kick winds up being made of Sublime, who's this controlling mutant so essentially beast inhales enough sublime to be overwhelmed and taken over by sublime so he becomes this white version of him like a white beast with like a purple cape and he leads the world to destruction so he starts getting very mr sinister like so he's like you know like let's take a bunch of like make night crawlers but with cyclops's optic blast and night crawlers kinetic charging ability so it's like that's a fucking horrible mutant <laughs> like that's a good idea but damn i would not want to mess with that so it's in the future and most of the x-men are dead except wolverine and then finally one of the phoenix eggs hatches and it's gene gray so they do everything they can, and Jean Grey decides that this timeline is not worthy and burns it away. But she goes back to the moment Cyclops left, and she says, live. Now, does that mean Cyclops wanted to be with Emma, or did Jean force him to be with Emma? That's going to be up to writer's interpretation. It's not you or I, it's writer's interpretation. Mm-hmm. So whoever decides to pick up that thread someday, that'll determine. So anyways, Cyclops winds up staying. So... Something happens. Some of the mutants are attacked in in Salem Center area. So Emma goes to check it out. Scott's with Hank. And it's a real touching moment because, you know, Hank puts it out there. He's like, you know, I like Emma. She's great. And that's that's great that you're with her. But Gene was also my friend. And it's like, whoa, that's a little bit of the starting rift between Hank and Scott. And I like that because to me, the best friends of the X-Men would be Hank and Scott. You know, now I know that hits home for us, you know, <laughs> hey, buddy. No, but uh, but I mean, I they've been together the longest. They've probably been the most serious out of the group. I mean, Warren's like, I'm rich and beautiful and I look like an angel, you know, and Bobby's just like, hey, it's a good time. Air guns. <laughs> and so but I always took those two to be the ones that understood responsibility and then often alienated because of their power sets. Mm-hmm. So to read that, it was a neat two parter. And I was like, OK, but. It just didn't have the punch yet 
that would be like the here it is, you know, like the rebirth era. So essentially, that's what Astonishing X Men is. So in short, I've read Astonishing X Men issues one through twelve, Phoenix and Song one through five, uh, House of M one through eight, and I guess it's X Men the day after. And it's neat because as I was reading these, so the first six issues of Astonishing X Men was called Gifted. And essentially, this is the, 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 the gift that'll take away your mutant powers. So Cyclops has to deal with a post, post-Grant Morrison Zornito world. Because even, like, Cyclops goes to Nick Fury and he's like, hey, man, you know, this ordinance that these guys were using, this is S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff. And Nick's like, yeah, it is S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff. What? I can't blame these guys. Your boy Magneto just destroyed New York. It's like, oh, shit. So Scott kind of gets a dose of, like, wow. Nobody cares for us as mutants. Like, we are even more hate and feared. And that's when he's like, okay, we got to do the costumes and we got to do the, you know, like, save the world posing next to the Fantastic Four. And next time we save the world, we stay for the accolades instead of running off. (laughs) So he's definitely getting his eyes open to what the world really looks like. The second arc is Dangerous, which is the first time we discover that the Danger Room is alive. So we get the character Danger. But even that point, Cyclops kind of disowns Xavier because it's like, really? Like even all the uh, Astonishing X-Men do because even uh, Colossus is the first to say it. It's like, really? You discovered something was alive and you just suppressed it? That's horrible. (laughs) You know, and I think even Cyclops says it best. He's like, so the mutants took it on on the chin for so long. Who cares? Dish it out to the AI. It's like, wow. So he's kind of learning that. You know, his good old professor is not a great guy. It's it's a tough moment because there's a point where sometimes we discover our father is not Superman after all. And, you know, I think that's that's interesting because, yeah, I mean, if you look at it as a, a child development stages, you know, uh, as the son looks at, to a father as, as a boy, he's like, yeah, that is that's Superman. He does no wrong. He He's the toughest guy around. He can beat up anybody. Teenage years you know, adolescent years, it's kind of more like you're realizing, oh, your father's a person. He has flaws. There's things that are, you know, that don't sit right with you. But we have, so that means Cyclops, even though he's in his adulthood, he's a, right. he's a grown man himself. He's still as a character in that development age of, we're seeing the fact that, you know, Xavier's not, He's not a good guy. He's not. He's not a god. He, he he has his problems. He has you know. He's uh he's flawed too, and he makes mistakes. So do we get to do we get back to the the part where as an adult, you know, adult male, you you no longer even though you know your father has flaws, you you see them as a well, he's a man. He's a man <coughs> like me. He raised me, so I see the good in him because there's the there's the good in me. Right. So does eventually Cyclops get back to that? I would say so. I, I think that'll be. I haven't gotten to that point, but I would call that the the divided he stands, which was part of the X Men when X Men became legacy. Mm-hmm. I would say that's the divided he stands arc because again, it, it it's an introspection into Cyclops's origins, his origins with Professor X, and then coming to terms with okay, you're kind of a dick because I still have on this journey that I'm going through. I'll eventually get to Deadly Genesis, and I know that one hits Cyclops pretty hard because it's like. I had a brother. You had a brother and you kept that from me? You know, because, like, there was an article, like, I think they played off the whole, you know, Professor Xavier's a jerk, the famous panel of Kitty Pride, but they were calling it, like, Professor Xavier's a dick. (sighs) And it's like, well, he is, because it's like he faked his death so he could hide from the original X-Men to fight an alien invasion. Um, 
he's just done all these monstrous things. And even at this point, like why why that dangerous arc stands out? That's the first time Xavier's done something and Scott didn't just blindly forgive him. Because we also had, you know, obviously Xavier created Onslaught. Okay, well, that was a, a byproduct of his powers. No, it was a byproduct of your thoughts. <sighs> you know, you're an asshole, you know. Even during the Dark Phoenix saga, you had the Dark Xavier that came out. Oh, well, that was because of all the alien stuff and the pressure. No, that's because you're a dark fucking asshole, <laughs> you know. Stop well, I mean, bottling <laughs> shit up. Without just, not just thinking about that, but like... Um uh, the way that he's being written nowadays is that because his originals, he, the original uh, analogs for Xavier and, and Magneto were uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and uh, Malcolm X. Malcolm right. X being Magneto and Martin Luther King being Xavier. And so Magneto would be, you know, free mutants at any cost, at, at, at any at any cost, you know, at, by any means necessary. Think, that's what I'm trying to get at. Okay. Uh, so if that Magneto is like, if some humans die so that we can get our freedom, that's fine. You know, that's just the way it has to be. uh, Homo, I'm sorry. Uh, homo superior, homo superior. Yeah. Over homo sapien. But Xavier's promise, prophecy, whatever is that? No, we, we show them that we are all human. We can all live together. we, We can live in peace. Now, the way that he's being written is more of. I do any by any means necessary also, but the ends justify the means. The ends justify yeah. the means. It's it's a lot of I'm gonna psychologically hurt these kids, but I'm I'm gonna still get my my message out there kind yeah. of thing. See, because like like the idea of of hiding uh, Vulcan from everybody, you know, a, a third Summers brother, uh, you know, someone yeah, that that, second that 1.5 generation of X Men between Generation One and Two. Yeah, right? you know, it's just the that that's like yeah, that's a terrible terrible thing. You know, that that was a whole team of X Men that was wiped away in the matter of what months. Yeah, because he, he didn't he want to tell anybody those students into thinking they had been practicing for years. Yeah. So that's it, it. I mean, I understand. I understand we're ta- we're taking stories that were written by writers much later in the X Men history, and then you're also talking about the when he was first created. But it's all Marvel. Marvel has agreed to all this. So, well, it's, but it's, even then, it's it sticks to the track record though. Yeah. Because you know, like I remember because of the Masterwork series. I've read the original X Men books, and same thing. Professor X died, but then he had Changeling act like him. And no, he had Changeling die in his place. Right. And then it turned, then he comes back and he's like, oh, well, Gene and I have been communicating and ha 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 fools, you know, but it's okay that I did this because I was stopping an alien invasion of the Zonks. So it's okay. <laughs> and of course they're like, well, we live in your mansion. So yeah, I guess it is okay. You know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, Professor X has kind of always been a jerk. And it's a shame because yeah, he did. He went from being the guy who preached about a dream. Like we will do this the right way to now becoming no, it's okay, whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. It's like you're stepping more in line with Magneto, because and this is what's going to lead to some of the stuff I'll laugh about later. Is obviously further down the road I'll get to schism, and it's like so why does Wolverine want to take the ability or take the thought process and say oh no I'm I'm totally like the Jean Grey school for higher learning. That's what Xavier did though. Xavier tricked these kids into coming. Yeah, like, yeah, you're going to study biology and chemistry. And uh, advanced fighting 101 <laughs> with well, it, Magneto. I, that, that was one thing I I really hated about Schism. It, it made me it made absolutely no like 
to me, I guess is it, they were trying to do the same thing that they did with with civil the original Civil War of being yeah, like, that's what they were hoping it, like. of you know Iron Man fell on this side, but Captain America fell on this other side. Did you really didn't think that was going to happen? And then you now you have Cyclops on one side, and then I mean it's not even, Cyclops not even on a side. He's just doing his own thing, and then Wolverine's like, no, fuck you, you're you're endangering kids. It's like. Well, we've kind of always been endangering kids. Yeah. I don't know why you're getting upset about it now. You train children to fight. You do know that, right? Yeah, like remember this girl called Kitty Pride and another one called Jubilee and And then Armor. And Morrow and yeah. Armor and yeah. so on down the line. And it's not and it's not so much that I mean, yes, Scott sends these kids on, on missions, but not really. He's he's teaching them to defend themselves against a world that doesn't like them. Yep. So the kids happen to find themselves in an adventure. That's usually on themselves. Kids find themselves in adventures, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this the I was reading uh, X Men Academy, or yeah, yeah. I mean, well, Mutants Academy first, and then X Men Academy, and those kids are not going on on missions. They are learning to use to, to focus their powers. It's it just happens that because someone is yeah, writing like, the oh, story, no, the that, toads nearby. Yeah. So let's try to defend ourselves. I I, to... I just really didn't get it, and I, I guess it had to do. Maybe it, did it have to do with hope? Was is that? It just honestly, it, it, it was just bad writing. It was just, it was, it just, was just, yeah. We need writing, the two of them to fight each other, and schism exactly. is is what it's going to be. And I was like, I was like, this makes absolutely Wolverine on this side of of that does not make sense. Yeah, no, it was just like unfortunately, like I love Jason Aaron. I think he's done great stuff, but schism. I don't think that was his idea. I think they brought him in to write it, probably. But and even then, there's a there's a trade paperback or a miniseries prelude to schism. And it's like, it makes you think it's going one way, and then the schism book goes another way. So yeah. it's like they didn't even know what they were planning. Because I remember that. Because I remember, I remember reading Prelude to Schism, and I was like, oh, this is what schism's going to be about? This yeah, like is something's the, coming to the to the, to to Utopia? Yeah. Oh my God, what is it? And then all of a sudden, schism is something completely different. I was yeah. like, what? Because yeah. I remember talking to someone. I was like, oh no, schism's going to be about this. And they're like, no, it's not. And it might have been you. It might have been it our other been, friend, yeah. Chris. And I was like, and they were like, but I was like, I was reading Prelude. And like, yeah, it, it has nothing yeah, to do with what's... one eighty. Yeah. Wow. And it's a shame because Prelude was actually pretty good. Yeah. Because I know? remember the it was like a, it was them around a fire, campfire or something like that in Prelude. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we're, it was we're getting some weird there. shit. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so Dangerous, you know, that's where it put a relationship on that. Uh, Phoenix End Song. There's a big line in there where Scott's like, I'm training to kill my wife again. So it's like, whoa, he's getting a little bit morbid. So it's like, okay, now we see him twisting. Um, House of X, or not House of X, House of M. There was an interesting line because, okay, now I got a question for you. House of M, is that a Marvel story or is that an Avengers story or is that an X-Men story? Uh, I would say first it's an X-Men story and then it's a Marvel story. Like it's like like we've seen it where they do um, just uh, stories within the group. So like uh, you, I, I know you, you said one's coming up soon where it was supposed to be just a, uh, a story within, within that, that book. But then they were like, Oh, that's a good idea. Let's go ahead and make it. Oh yeah. It. Well, the guardian stuff. Yeah. It was infinity countdown. It was okay. going to be, yeah, Guardians there you go. And it blew up. And then it grew up and it's going to be a, a complete crossover all of Marvel. So that's what I would say. That's, that's what that is. Like, cause it did start off in, in Avengers, right? It started off with disassembled and they were like, am I, no, you're right. Because okay, it was, yeah. it was, it was Scarlet Witch went crazy, and the Avengers are like, "Well, what should we do with her?" And it's like, "Well, we'll invite the X Men because it's a mutant." And to me, because to me, it's an Avengers story. I was looking, at it, I was like, "But it's a major." But I think its ramification is what made it a Marvel event, you know. 
Well, was, I think that the the involvement of everybody made it a Marvel event, but then the the outcome makes it a X Men story because yeah, at go. the end of okay. at the end of House of M, it's like no more mutants, and oh, now we're down to the one ninety six. Yep. So fuck. <laughs> yeah, from millions to less than two hundred. And I remember, it, you, I think you said it earlier, day after, right? Yeah, yeah. So I remember reading that, and like you got you got mutants that are flying around because they have the ability to fly, and then all of a sudden. They no longer have powers, and they just drop from the sky. And yeah, there were some horror stories about yeah. people lost their abilities. I think didn't Blob like lose all of his his blubber, but he still had all of his skin yeah. and like kind of suffocated underneath of it. Well, he didn't. He tried to kill himself. He tried to cut his own neck, but he's like, "There's too much skin. I can't cut through oh, it all." Wow. He even begged one of the officers, "Please just shoot me. Put me out of my misery." Wow. Yeah, it was it was a crazy book. Like I, I read just part one. I'm I'm trying to get through the rest of it, and I do emphasis on the I'm trying to get through it because it's not too good. Um, didn't they also call that? M Day is that? Is yeah, that well, that's what the the event is known as oh, okay. M Day. But what's interesting though is having read that because I forgot about this. I always thought House of M ended with the last issue, no more mutants, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And then you would read the Avengers, and you'd read Spider Man, and you'd read X Men, and see what happened. But the eighth issue is where it happens. So everybody wakes up back home, and everything's normal, and the world's the way it was, except for the mutants. Um, and it's kind of crazy because it's like I almost feel like somebody could take that and eventually come back and be like. Hey, do you know why Avengers Disassembled happened? Do you know why House of M happened? Because of the Scarlet Witch. Because they didn't let people know. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew that it was Scarlet Witch who caused the Avengers dis- the Disassembled. Like, they kept that in-house. Right. Um, and even in the hero community, nobody knew except for the new Avengers because they formed because of that. So the old and new Avengers were the only ones that knew. The X-Men learned about it. Uh, and then even then with M-Day, nobody knows why it happened until it finally got out there. Now, obviously, it sounds like it did finally get talked about, you know, um, but definitely like it was kind of like hush hush at first. So it's kind of interesting. But the reason I liked that one, because there's a page there where Captain America doesn't come back. He stays an old man and they leave him that way in the in the House of M mm-hmm. timeline. But anyway, Cyclops kind of rises up to be the leader, and he's kind of calling the shots, like, okay, da-da-da. But I found that interesting because that was the first time where he's kind of like, shoot to kill. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely like some more growth in Scott Summers, where it's like, wow. Because I remember it was X-Men 94, I think, X-Men issue 94. Uh, It was basically the Scott Summers bachelor party. So Cable comes, and he's like, oh, so you want me to be the ring bearer? You want me to be your little boy? Because he had just found out he was Cyclops' son, and Cyclops is like, look, I'm sorry I wasn't there for you. You got to understand you were taken to the future. I was told I couldn't be there, and I'm sorry. And so he even, you know, like, Cable's kind of like, oh, okay. And then at one point, Emma Frost, and it's funny because where eventually they all end up, but Emma Frost is in a coma. And the executioner comes, and he's going to kill her because she's an easy target. And so, of course, they stop the executioner, and then Cyclops restores Emma's machines to keep her on life support and then cable's like you could have just let him end her and then we stopped him and everything would have been fine and then cyclops is like the minute we stop having compassion for our enemies is the minute we become the enemy and cable's like hmm where have i heard that before and that's the line he hears from his adopted father slim who turns out to be cyclops anyways oh and it's like wow that's crazy so he was there for him yeah he was because yeah in the adventures of uh, cyclops and phoenix their honeymoon is going into the future to raise cable mm. And so it's interesting because that's what Cyclops was about. And now he's like, yeah, if we have to kill Wanda, we kill Wanda. Don't hesitate. And it's like, that's crazy. And even the rest of the new Avengers and the X-Men there are kind of like, okay, 
let's do this. So yeah, I thought that was an interesting layer. And then obviously uh, part one of the day after, uh, what's really crazy about that is that's when the one Sentinels land on the on the um, Xavier grounds and kind of like, we're here to protect you. And you could see in some of the la- like body language of Cyclops, it's kind of like, this is a nightmare. This is how we get to days of future past. So that's where I'm at. So that's what I've been reading. I plan on going through like all... Um, I'll finish out the, uh, I forget who wrote it with Greg Land, but, you know, I'll be coming up to his era. Well, Manifest Destiny, Messiah Complex, and things like that. It'll eventually lead to that. And I plan on stopping at Avengers versus X-Men. So, yeah, that's what I've been reading. It's, it's kind of interesting. I'll probably, like I said, write something up and kind of, you know, here's, here's the, the changing of Cyclops. <laughs> okay. Now let's get to the main event. Christopher Franey's <laughs> top 17 series of 2017. Let's hear it. Are we going like 17 to 1? Yep, 17 to 1. So All counting right. down. Um, I was going to do 10, and then I just said the hell of it. Because this year has been a good year in comics. Um, <clears throat> right off the bat, I just want to say DC's Rebirth got me excited about it again. Like, I remember we were talking about that where it's like during 52, it's like, man, I'm just collecting these because I collect it. Yeah. You know, so the love was gone and the love is back. I'm excited every week to see what DC has to offer. And I don't know if it's maybe just because of my symmetry, but I feel like Marvel Legacy is bringing it back for me. I'm excited about Marvel Comics again. Um, I didn't have some of the big things on there, like Metal wasn't on there or Doomsday Clock. Everybody's talking about them. They're great, but we've still got the conclusions to look at. So I think that's going to be definitely some dynamite stuff. Uh, Infinity Countdown and Resurrection pretty much just took off last week and today. So Mm. uh, those will definitely be there for later. Probably next year's 18 for 2018. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to do this. Anyways, okay, so here we go. Uh, Number 17 was the Marvel Legacy one-shot. I like... I I wanted to like it more. I'll be honest with you. I enjoyed it. It was great, and I like what it's doing for the Marvel U. Um, I know this was supposed to be the book that challenged DC Universe Rebirth, mm-hmm. and I just remember that moment between Barry and Wally and having that, and I was looking for that here. I didn't get it so much, but I did enjoy it as a whole. Uh, Jason Aaron did a great job, and all the artists that contributed were fantastic. It's a nice zero issue. So if you're, you know, if a new fan came to me and said, I want to try Marvel Comics, I would say start here and then see which one you liked and pull on that thread and follow it. Um, Number 16 was Flash issues 21 through 27. This is a set of three stories. The Button, Color of Fear, and Running Scared. Okay, so I only read I only read The Button. Yeah, so The Button was good. You know, it was a nice little tour de force. And I liked it, and I think you probably had that nostalgia factor as well because Howard Porter was the artist, mm-hmm. and he was the artist of JLA when we were growing up with comics. Um, that was a great run. I just loved all the eye candy that was involved and, you know, the, the connection between Bruce and Barry and then also what they both had to deal with. And what was really neat about this is we have the real reverse flashback, mm-hmm. Ebard Thawne. Um, Hunter Zolomon's great. Anybody else, they suck. You know, <laughs> so those new 52 versions, no, they can go away. Um, but I really enjoyed them. And I remember looking at the solicitations. So the next story was The Color of Fear. And I was like, oh, well, that's a, that's a two-parter with Hal Jordan. Okay, this is great. And it was nice to see that little bit of camaraderie between the two. But the one that really takes the cake was Running Scared. I haven't felt a Flash story that suspenseful since the return of Barry Allen. Wow. This was huge. So definitely, you know, read the the, the Running Scared, but I would really recommend getting issues 23 and 24 
to go with 25, 26, and 27. How is it that we've gone, I don't know, what, 70 years worth of Flash stories and they haven't used the the title Running Scared yet? I know. It's kind of funny sometimes when you look at some of these. You're, you know, the color of fear that gets used in the Flash book. Like, that, yeah. wasn't, that wasn't a Green Lantern story, you know? So it is kind of funny. But then again, honestly, they might have used that. Like, there was a single issue called Running Scared. Mm. Now we have arcs. Right. You know, because... I remember when you could pick up a comic, read it, and you got enough. Like, yeah, there were subplots, but the overall story. Right. You know, then it became, all right, four is the magic number. Now it's six. Luckily, we're dwindling back down again, which I like. Uh, Coming in at number 15 was Detective Comics, their uh, Lonely Place of Dying, which was Detective Issues 965 through 968. This comic just hit all the nostalgia factor for me uh the covers issue 965 and 968 they're direct homages 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 to george perez's covers on a lonely place of living which while it's not the first appearance of tim drake it's the first storyline to feature tim drake right um beautiful stuff and i like it because it ties into the titans of tomorrow which ties into young justice and it's spiraling out into my number 14 pick which is super sons of tomorrow now at the time i wrote this i only had superman 37 super sons 11 and teen titans number 15 Having read those three parts, I was very excited. You know, it was just exciting stuff to see what was going on. Um, and even, to, like, like I, there was an article, I think CBR just put it out, with Tim Drake being a possible villain. I always love characters that are, like, like parallax. You know, it's like, I'm doing something for the greater good. Right. So, to me, with Tim becoming savior, well, future Tim, let me clarify, future Tim becoming savior, I think this was neat. I, I definitely liked it. So, my 15 and 14 are almost one because of this whole savior arc for Tim Drake, but it was definitely enjoyable. So, you have two parts left to go. Um, Superman 38, which just came out as of today when this was recorded. And then the final part, which... I did screw up my numbers. I think it might be Super Sons issue 12. Mm. So definitely go pick that out. Um, This whole last year of Nightwing, which would be Nightwing issues 12 through 35. Tim Seeley, or I'm sorry, Nightwing through 12 through 34 would be Tim Seeley. And then issue 35 would be the Sam Humphrey starter. It's been beautiful. I mean, I know you, myself, and uh, Ian, who who often comes on some of these shows with us. We're Nightwing fans. This has been beautiful stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, the introduction of um, uh, Sean Sang has been great. You know, she's really taken Dick to some emotional levels of, you know, yeah, she's not the Lana Lang or the Lois Lane, you know, Starfire or Batgirl. She's somebody brand new and genuine. And for Dick to actually get attached to her and possibly share a child with her, that was crazy stuff. Uh, It's been some good subplots, so it's been fantastic. So... Um, I would just recommend go get that whole volume. Start with the Rebirth issue, then issue one, and go on through. My number 12 was the single Marvel 2-in-1 issue one. I don't often get to cry when I read comics. This one was Tears of Joy because I forgot what it was like to read a Fantastic Four comic. Uh, Granted, the fate of the four, and we only have two of them there, but to see what Johnny Storm is going through, and Ben Grimm, what they're going through, that was beautiful. So I am very excited to see how this miniseries or ongoing series continues. Say, Come, say they never, uh, they, I mean, not never, but say not in any time in the near future they get back Reed and Sue, right? Leave your studio right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Would you want them to do something like they did in the past where they just got two other characters and, and they made the Fantastic Four? Make a Fantastic Four based off. I, you know, I think they're kind of playing with that idea with um, the Devil Dinosaur book. Uh-huh. Um, because it's it's the young girl who controls the Devil Dinosaur. So it's those two and then Hank and Johnny. No, Johnny and Ben. Uh, ben and oh, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. So they're kind of playing that. I mean, I'm not against it. But it's not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely like whenever I think about some of my favorite issues of like X-Men or Avengers, it's always those downtime issues. You know, when the X-Men play baseball or basketball, when the Avengers are, you know, sharing a meal at the mansion. And for me, those issues, when it's the Fantastic Four, it's when the family does something. So I miss that. So for me, it's I'm, I'm looking forward to it being the original four as opposed to a substitute four. Right. Okay. Um, my number 11 pick was Tales of Suspense number 100. This is the buddy cop book you didn't know you wanted. <laughs> um, Scarlet, not Scarlet, uh, Scarlet Johansson's character, the Black, Black Widow, Widow. That's why I said that. So Black Widow was killed during Secret Empire. Right. Um, right now somebody's going around and killing people that her that were on her list. So is it her? Is it not? So the book opens up with Clint being just Clint, being such an asshole, but for all the right reasons. So he's basically like, I think she's alive. He crashes a funeral and makes a jerk of himself. It's beautiful. It's great. (laughs) And I love how when you look at the art on this one, there's a long-haired person running across a rooftop. So clearly Hawkeye's like, oh, that must be be Natasha. There we are. No, it's Buck. It's Buck. And it's like, so does Bucky have a nimble body that could make a silhouette that way? But it's just great because, you know, yes, one's good cop, one's bad cop. But what's really neat is they're also ex-boyfriend of hers. That's true. So that's going to be neat when that connection gets made. So tells a suspense. Tells of humor. This is great. I'm loving this book, and it's fantastic. Um, number 10, as was mentioned earlier, was Fall and Rise of Captain America. Sorry, Captain Atom, numbers 1 through 10. I enjoyed this. Like I said, for me, it was just it was great to see Nathaniel Adam act like a man with power as opposed to a god with power. Um, in the New 52, they essentially made him Dr. Manhattan. That's not why Captain Atom was cool. It was cool because it's a man who was taken out of time, and then he's got to live in a world where he sees what he lost. And that was great. They did it again. Number nine came in with just a single issue. Uncanny Avengers issue 28. Uh, Jim Zub, this guy's going to be somebody to watch. He writes great stories. Um, this issue of Avenger, Uncanny Avengers basically has Hank and, well, Hank, Hank McCoy the Beast and Simon Williams team up. And for once, they're humorous again. <laughs> they're fun. They're not, you know, like, I, I'm okay with Simon being like, hey, I'm a pacifist. And I'm okay with Beast being like, I'm a scientist, you know. But it's neat to be like, hey, adventure and, and antics await. Let's go do this. Well, I read that one. And, I, you know, I want to say that it, it was interesting to see Hank having to deal with repercussions of the fact that he was an ambassador for new. That's right. New Zion. New Zion, yeah. yeah, and you know, people are like, "Oh, you were part of, you were on the wrong side of a secret empire, you know, like you were part of the Nazi party or whatever, yeah, you know, whatever it is." Yeah. But it's just like uh, he's like, "Yeah, maybe I did screw up there," you know. It, 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 it Hanks might want, you know, one of my favorite characters out there, so it was it was interesting to see him treat treat it that way. Yeah, no, I thought it was neat that they both kind of 
got over themselves yes. and went back to being their true selves. Right. Yeah, I thought that was a great one and done issue. Because, yeah, it's part of the whole Stars and Garters mini arc. But, but when you read the next issue, you're like, how the hell is this related to this it? This has nothing to do with the other <laughs> yeah. thing. Um, but anyways, yeah, great, great pickup issue. Just pick it up and enjoy it. Um, Blue Beetle issues five through 16. So obviously the continual of this new run, which blew my mind. This is the 10th volume of Blue Beetle comics. Now Blue wow. Beetle's been passed around, you know, right, Dell right. comics and who knows and whatnot. But yeah, this is volume 10. So this is like the third volume by DC comics. Dude, Scott Collins. I like his art. I mean, yeah, I know it's a little cartoony and whatnot, but this is the perfect book for it because Ted Cord is lighthearted. Blue Beetle should be lighthearted. Um, I know there's characters that can't sell books, and Blue Beetle's one of them. Mm-hmm. And I commend these guys because I think they're going to take this book all the way to issue 20 and it's going to get canceled. But it's like, like, take Booster Gold, take the two Blue Beetles, you know, take Mr. Miracle, or, you know, let's just do Justice League International or something because there is, there is a spot for humor. And this book shows that there is an audience. So you take the fans from the fan bases that aren't like selling right now and you put it all together and you see what happens. You know, we talked about a DC anthology book. That could be it, you know, like that, do mini arcs and see oh what happens. Man, that'd be the best. Seriously. You, know, you remember, uh, and I know you do because we talk about it often, but uh, you remember the Countdown Arena? Yes. Okay. So at that time when uh, it sounds like it was something the, the same thing they did with that Taos or Taos or whatever. Oh, Telos and Telos, Battle yeah. World. Yeah. So the idea was <coughs> you get all the different Earths versions of different characters together in one arena, and then you fight it out to see who's the best, right? Yeah. Um, what if? And I don't know if they ended up doing it. I I, I actually read Arena, so I I know they didn't, but I don't know if they did it somewhere else in that in the whole Countdown universe. But our storyline, but um, you have the Blue Beetles, right? Uh-huh. So you have a Dan Abner, Dan, Dan Garrett, Garrett, Dan, Dan Garrett, Garrett. Uh, Ted Cord, Jaime Reyes, and then you have like Gray Beetle, so oh, the Beetle? the Black Beetle, Black Beetle, yeah. and then you also have Night Owl because that's the Watchmen yeah, that's version, the Watchmen of, Beetle. Like w- that'd be interesting to be like, why are you with us right now? And he's like, well, I mean, I'm Night Owl, but. I, I'm kind of the same as you, you know, I don't know. It'd be, well, I'd love to see that where it's like, I think it'd be funny to have, and then even bring in the old night owl, you know, the, the golden age one. I can't think of his name. The one who was the mechanic. Right, right. Yes. Yes. Have yeah. him there as well. And I think it'd be funny to be like, all right, well, there's, there's four or five, there's six of us. How are we going to transport ourselves? And I would love to see like, like silently, like, Ted presses something on his belt and Night Owl presses something in his palm. And then you see the two ships come and you, so you see this giant owl and then the beetle. And they just awkwardly look at each other. Well, mine's got heated seats. <laughs> Mine can make coffee. You know, like I think that'd be funny. Like that'd be a funny moment. And, and one thing, and not to derail you too much, but one thing about that arena book was that I remember, because I was a big fan of, um, it wasn't called, uh, The Authority. Yes, which had uh, you know Wildstorm characters, right? The Wildstorm yeah. characters. So it, and it had a a version, a somewhat version of Superman, a somewhat version of Batman, right? That ended up being a homosexual couple, and Apollo was the the Superman version. But when they did Arena, he didn't go up against the Superman. He went up against Ray, which uh, the or the Rays, I should say. Yeah. Which I mean, I guess also makes sense because he gets his light power base, from the sun, yeah. and it's it's kind of light based, but it's like. Uh. 
come on, we all know Apollo is Superman. Why? Why did you guys? Why did you do this? No, they did that because I remember reading that miniseries too, and it was like sometimes they'd be like, "Well, let's just take this character and put him in here," and you're kind of like. I mean, I see the connection, but you missed out on a better connection, you know? So I, 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 I just wondered what that, you know, I should go back and find, unless you know right now who, who it is that wrote that miniseries. I don't know off the top of my head, no. Yeah, so I would like to, you know, if I could find out and then talk to that person and be like, why did you make the decision to put, like, certain people together? That's a good one. I think we need to dig into the Twitter verse and see if we can yeah, find that right. writer. That okay. would be fun to ask. All right. Back All right, on. So continue on. Uh, number, number seven, seven was Spirits of Vengeance, numbers one through three. So it's going to be a five or six part miniseries. And I'm not going to lie to you. Now, I'm no artist, but the art isn't that great. It isn't. But the story is awesome. The story is better. I've only read two issues so far. but Yeah. Oh, dude, it's great. Like, I am just, I'm enjoying this. It's This is one where it's kind of like the team came together naturally. Yes. Which I like. It's which not forced. Yeah. It's not like, oh, well, you know, because even like, Satana, she's not in the first issue. No. And then when she does show up in the second issue, it's kind of like, oh, well, you're here as well. And she's like, yeah, I'm looking for that shit you got. <laughs> oh, okay, well, let's team up, you know? And that's awesome. Uh, the the library part, I think that may have been an issue too, mm-hmm. where the guy's like, oh, don't worry, just keep waiting around. And they're kind of like, the fuck's with this guy? And yeah. He sets him up. It's like, dude, that's awesome. So it's just, it's that's a part of the Marvel U that maybe I guess – Either it does get explored in Doctor Strange, and I don't care enough about it to care about it, but I am excited by this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is do- this does have me geared up for Damnation. I was going to so say, I do you think this hope- goes right into Damnation? If they were smart, they should dovetail it. Like, hey, if you like these characters, guess where they're at next? I know the solicit- you know? solicits for Damnation have already come out, right? Yeah. So and I want to say, do I think- you see these, these, these characters on the covers? Well, we do have the Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider. I think we get Hellstorm, but I don't know about Satana, Satana, and Blade. I don't know about those two. Okay. So, but if they were smart, bring them, yeah. put them in there, yeah. and have that dovetail right into it. Uh, my number six pick is Batman issues fourteen through thirty-seven and the second annual. Why those numbers? Because that was all the Batman books from Tom King during the year. Oh my God, dude. Yes, read this. Read this book, and then when you're done, read it again, because it is just an amazing tour de force. It's beautiful. It's well-crafted. Issue 14, the start, the first issue of Batman in 2017, Batman number 14 was Rooftops. That was a great little story. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's not like it did much, but now it did because there's the whole proposal and her saying yes, but it's like, this is just fantastic stuff. Um, I almost thought about dropping the book when the War of Jokes and Riddles came out. I was kind of like, eh, who cares? But the story arc before that, every epilogue is a prelude. I had to because I was like, well, did she say yes? And I'm glad I stayed on because the War of Jokes and Riddles was actually pretty good. I like the story in, in War, War of Jokes and Riddles. I don't like the art. I can see that. Like, yeah. there was some parts. Like, I think, it didn't feel very continual. Like, I think there might have been multiple artists on it. Yeah. And I think um, that just the way that they drew the, the Riddler 2 really threw me off. I, I don't like him that way. I didn't way. like the redesign. Yeah, I don't care for that. Like, just get rid of his sideburns. And, and the nose. It's weird. Yeah, he's got this. He's got a boxer's nose almost. Yeah. Like, oh, so he was a... Irish street kid fighter. Got it. Cool. Not buying it. (laughs) It's not my Riddler. (laughs) Um, And even then the culmination with the super friends. God. Have you read that? The the date night with Lois Clark, Selena, and Bruce? That issue was great. Yes. I mean, the whole 
you know, oh, well, should I throw the ball? Because you wouldn't hit it if I hit it. <laughs> oh, I'd hit it. You know, it's like, that's awesome. You know, bat the bat stands for bat. You know, <laughs> like Bruce is a dick, but Clark's a saint for dealing with him. Right. Oh, man, just so much fun. I hope when Tom King links the book because he wants to, I hope he does a run on Superman. He's got a great voice for it. Uh, When he teams Batman up with Wonder Woman, I'll be curious to see what he does there. All right, now this is the next part. We're at the final five, and this is definitely going to be more of what I like. Well, this is my list, so here we go. Um, number five, Ben Riley, The Scarlet Spider, issues one through 12. Yeah, Mitch is shaking his head. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. Why? Because I like Ben Riley. He's one of my favorite characters. There's a soft spot in my heart. And my favorite issue, issue seven. Um, I will admit, Peter David, I was like, when Dan Slott brought him back in 2016's Clone Conspiracy, I was excited. And I liked the way Dan Slott wrote him. It, he, he made him a compelling villain. So I was like, I could understand this. And then when Peter David took over the book, I was like, oh, great. It's Deadpool Spider-Man. This sucks. <laughs> but issue seven was the best. Why? Because Ben finally got told there's something wrong with you. Your soul is broken. And like to see him kind of get sobered up from that, that was awesome. And then you bring in the slingers. It's like, all right, this is a great taste of 90s. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> uh, number four was Daredevil issues 15 through 596. Yeah, what a hell of a year, right? Yeah. No, um, it was issues uh, 15 through 28, and then it jumps to 595. Um, Charles Soule, he's a lawyer, and he writes comic books and novels. I don't think this guy sleeps, <laughs> but he puts out quality stuff. I mean, we have, let's see if I can find it here. Um, Purple? No, I'm sorry. It starts off with the seventh day, which tells us how Daredevil got his identity back. Purple, which continues that arc with the children of the Purple Man helping out. Uh, Supreme, which Mr. Murdoch goes to Washington. Mayor Fisk. This stuff has been amazing. Like when people, like, it's exciting because I'm living in what Frank Miller did when he wrote Daredevil. Like, this is going to be, like, years from now, they're going to sell overpriced omnibus collections of this shit, <laughs> and it's going to be awesome, and people are going to be like, oh, that Charles Soule. So when someday when we get, like, Apple Netflix and they decide to bring back Daredevil and they're adapting stories, this is the stuff you can take. <laughs> it's been amazing. So do yourself a favor. I would put it on par with Tom King's Batman. Wow. So definitely, I want to put that on your radar. It's worthwhile. My number three pick is Defenders, issues one through eight, and the free comic book day. I didn't think I was going to like this book. I was like, eh, who and cares? And all Bendis Defenders. Yep, and all Bendis Defenders, the talking heads. Damn, it's good. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, yes, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage are written a little bit about a character because I think they've mentioned the baby once. Truth be told, I don't know if the baby even exists anymore. Like, I don't know if Secret Wars was just kind of like, hey, it's better to not have Luke and Jessica have a family. <laughs> but this book has been great. I actually give a shit about Iron Fist. Wow. He's had like three spectacular moments in this book. I'm kind of like, maybe I'll read his book. Maybe it's I'll try him out. It's interesting that it took it took Bendis, and who else would it be, but Bendis to have the voice for Iron, Iron Fist. Yeah, it's like... I'm happy to see what Bendis will do in the DC universe, but I'm sad because I think this Defenders book will be the casualty. Mm. And I have to say this. I know I've been kind of like, I apologize, comic book artist. I haven't been doing you a favor here. David Marquez, I will make a shout out for him. Why? He needs to be a top-notch guy. 
Like this guy, his book is like his art is up there with like your David Finch's, your George Perez's. His stuff is up there. It is beautiful. And what's even more amazing about this is he put out two issues in one month and then he's been consistent with every issue because most of these I'm hoping we'll we'll probably put this article on the website and I've listed all the creators involved. And for the most part, it's been the writer and then multiple artists. But Defenders, it's only been a two man job, Bendis and Marquez. That's amazing. Wow. Because the level this guy draws at and at the speed he's producing, wow. <laughs> Seriously. Do yourself a favor. Buy all the trades. Uh, next up for number two. This was a tough one, but I wound up going this route. So number two is all new Guardians of the Galaxy issues 1 through 12. Guardians of the Galaxy issues 146 through 149. The all new Guardians of the Galaxy annual number one. And then the free comic book day issue 2017. What's nice about that free comic book day is you basically get the Defender Zero issue and the Guardian Zero issue, which are two fantastic books. And another massive shout out to Aaron Cooter. I love his art. Um, it's, it is a little cartoony, but I love it. And what those two, what, what him and Jerry Duggan have done with the guardians, it's amazing. Um, like Bendis has had his hand on the guardians for quite a while. And then before that would have been DNA, Danny Abnett and Andy Lanning. And they've both done amazing jobs, but DNA's run was phenomenal. Bendis's run was a little forced for the movie. And I like it because it's issue 147 of guardians of the galaxy where we have Peter Quill and Rich Ryder reunite for the first time since the Thanos imperative where they both died, quote unquote. Oh my God, I love it because it's like Peter Quill shows right up and he's like, all right, you're either Rich Ryder or you're some asshole acting like my friend. And he punches him down, you know, and he's (laughs) like, dude, it's me. And it's like, okay, good. And I just love those buddy moments because we all have that. You know, there's a friend, there's that friend you haven't seen in forever and you can just hit it right off with them. That was a great moment. That book has those personal touches. Gamora is dealing with the fact that maybe she is or isn't alive. Part of her is trapped inside the soul gem. Uh, the, the Drax the Destroyer is now Drax the Pacifist. Rocket Raccoon is actually funny as opposed to being forced to being funny. <sighs> and Baby Groot. And Baby Groot's an asshole. He's kind of killed people. Uh, so that's crazy to see this cute little Baby Groot murder people. <laughs> but something's going on. The gardener has poisoned Groot and the rest of his people. Mm. So this book has been fantastic. Um, it's leading into Infinity Countdown for this year. Good stuff. Buy the back issues. Buy the trades. Do it, do it, do it. And last but not least, number one, did you did you already look at my list? Or no, I did not. What would you guess? Uh, Hearing all that, you know what well, I read. You know, I'm surprised that I haven't heard uh, a, a particular story yet, so I don't know if it's actually what it's going to be or not, but I, I'm wondering how come Nightwing New Order hasn't been on there. Ooh, good call. Uh, that one, I, I mean, I've been enjoying it, but I'll be honest with you. It, it, it kind of gets left by the wayside. It's like, I'll read all my comics and then I'll be like, oh, that's right. I still got this one. I mean, I'm enjoying it, but I guess for me, it's going to sound better when it gets to the conclusion, okay. which will be sometime so this year. So is there a How Jordan and the Green Lanterns on there? Surprisingly, no. Wow. I know. I was surprised because usually you, you I go to my favorites. Right. I couldn't find anything Cyclops related that made me excited about 2017. I was say, is Cyclops dead? Yeah. Well, and even then, like, I mean, maybe my idea would have been different had the, because I didn't include the last week of 2017, but I did know of the spoiler. Mm. But I mean, until that story pans out, I don't know. It's To me, it's yeah. just an illusion. But yeah, there was nothing for Scott or Hal. All right. So Let's surprised. hear it. What's number so one? My number one pick, 
Yes, this book is only five issues deep. Yes, everybody's posting links to it. Yes, I told you I would buy the issue off you, and that offer still stands if you don't like it. Tom King strikes again, and he brings his friend Mitch Gerards along, and they are delivering Mr. Miracle. You're right. I have seen that on many people's lists. It's yep. number one. This book is getting an Eisner. Yeah. Even if I have to steal it and give it to them. <laughs> <laughs> this book is amazing. Uh, just do yourself a favor. Go to your LCS. Ask them to get to the back issues. Ask him to hold it for you. Mitch Gerard's his art is beautiful. Um, him and his wife just had a baby, so we're going to get a director's cut because they need a month to raise their kid. I know how <laughs> selfish, Mitch. Thanks. Um, but this book has been great. I mean, it's the ultimate superhero. It's Jesus Christ and Harry Houdini, and he's a human, and he's a god, but he just wants to be an escape artist. He's an oddball character. I've loved him for so long, and I sit down often, and I think about, like, okay, if my house was on fire... Or if I could only have one like story of a character, what would it be? So I, you know, I've I've explained. I have my group of fourteen characters that right. I watch. Um, Mister Miracle is one of them. This is the collection. This is like if somebody asked me to sell them on Mister Miracle, I would give them these issues, and I would say this is the character right here, and they would say thank you because it's amazing. Yeah. So that's my number one pick, along with like several other websites and yeah. comic book authorities. You're right, but you know what? There's a reason I'm in good company because this book is amazing. All right. Uh, like Chris has said many times, he will write that up. We will put it on our website. We will share it out on our social media so that you can get a better idea of uh, you know what he thought was top 17 of the, of the year. But uh, we have to say thank you. Th- thank you for sharing that with us. And, and uh, you know, there's there's some in, the, in there that I, I also enjoyed and some that uh, – I don't. I didn't know anything of, and I'll have to. I'll have to keep an eye on. So I'll have to bring in those back issues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's 2017, folks. I'm hope you. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did, and that you were looking forward to 2018 like we are. Yes, and I want to say thank you. Thank you to our fan base. Um, it's it's been an interesting year for ourselves. You know, we've had moments of sickness. Uh, we've had moments where we've just been boggled down by our day to day jobs. But this is neat. This is fun to do, and I hope you share our love, and most importantly, our passion for comics. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Thank you for downloading us. Thank you for interacting with us on Facebook, Twitter, and all of it. Um, you're helping us make our dream go one step further, which is the first step towards many. Yeah. And this is awesome. So 2017, you know, Mitch and I went from talking about comics while we're watching a movie or <laughs> BSing to sharing our comics with you. And we love that. Thank you. So we and and we put it on our uh, social media of what uh, characters you saw over 2017, either in comic book movies or comic book TV shows that you wanted to see, you wanted to hear more about that we could delve into through comic book history and be like, hey, you you watched. Uh, uh, what do we? What do we what well, I know Ian. He probably watched BVS and or Justice League, and it's like, hey, I want more Aquaman. There you Fine. go. Yeah, he we said, will give you yeah, more you Aquaman. Saw, you saw Justice League, and you were like, Aquaman in that movie. You know, he's interesting. What can you tell me about him and his background? And we can be like, well, it, it might be in a future episode, right before Aquaman comes out. We'll be like, well, you know, not exactly the, the Aquaman we know from the comics, not exactly the same one we saw in that movie. But this is where we can steer you. But he's this, a rich character. He, he is, has the history. He has the history. So. Uh, if you have some characters that you are going to see either you saw in 2017 or you're seeing in 2018 that you want to know more of, like, I want to, you know what? I, I, I know, uh, uh, I don't know if you were watching it, but, uh, there's, uh, the Fox show gifted, yes. which is not terribly good, <laughs> but they just introduced the Stepford Cuckoos. 
So I was like, you know what? That'd be a great set of characters to talk about. There's not. Sounds like a good one-on-one. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So that's a one-on-one that we can do. We will go back to doing more uh, challenges for each other and, and, you know. Cooking on a good one to start us off. There you go. We'll keep going with But then I think we're going to throw in more episodes like this where we just just shoot shit about comic books and, and stuff. We don't need to. We don't ha- we don't need to have a topic to come you know come <laughs> on and, and and challenge each other though we challenge each other often so uh, I'm happy I'm happy that this is the way we're starting off the year yeah this was a fun episode it was a great reflection of last year's comics um, let me know what you think tell me if there was stuff in there you liked stuff that you think I'm crazy for picking uh, put your list please. I challenge you right now, sit down and write 17 and, and pin it on this one and share them out there. Um, also, another qu- interesting question. I'll, I'll give you some time to think about this, Mitch. Who's your hero of 2017? Mm. You know, male, female, DC or Marvel. I'm not going to – you decide. You tell me. Who did you like? Like what, what character – that's true character even. What character entertained you the most? You know, was it was it Toby or not Toby McGuire? Wow, was it the the kid, the the the, the new guy, the the, the Tom the Holland? Face? Yes, Tom Holland. Was it Tom Holland Spider Man? Did that make you excited? Did that bring you into the fold, or what did it for you? So yeah, that'd be an interesting question. And Let us know. I just have to say, I, I mean, I know that the two of us we 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 primarily talk about Marvel and DC, and and, and just unfortunately that's what we read. We don't we don't tend to read a lot of the other comic books, and we know that there's good stuff out there. There's, there is. There's there's Saga. Great. There's After Death. There's uh, uh, Kick Out or no Killer Be Killed. Killer Be Killed. Uh, yeah. Walking Dead. I casually casually dabble in, but no. There's there's a great world. Like the I have to stop myself. Like the previews catalog. It's the worst. Like <sighs> I I have to do meth to get off that book because if I really delve into that one, oh my god. You know, and I do read some side stuff. Like um, Dynamite's been doing some great Lone Ranger, Spirit, and Green Hornet stuff. Uh, it's exciting. I just I don't talk about it too much because those are lighter audiences. But yeah, there's been the independence. Do yourself a favor, find a company, get immersed. So if and if you have something that you want to, you know, write into us. Tell us about those characters. Tell us about those books, and maybe it will spark us to to go and read them or whatever. Yeah, and there's this Hellboy out there. If you want to know more, let us know. Probably be doing something about that when he's got his movie coming. And you know what? I'll, I'll if if you if you have a good enough knowledge, I will invite you on this show to talk to us about that character. So, there you go, uh, folks. 2017, like I said, if you have any inf- input that you'd like to get towards one of us, I'm on Twitter as at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Chris is also on Twitter as at stuff I should say uh, should being spelled S H U D. The rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram. Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page. And GeekEliteRadio.com is our web website where you can get our archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. But until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember to geek, geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.